Today, I'm talking to you because it is about your children. And I'm really begging you, I'm begging you to not vaccinate your children against COVID-19. I will explain you that if you vaccinate them, if you vaccinate children, it's going to become thousand times worse. So if you are going to vaccinate your children, you are going to turn this transient situation into something that is permanent, that is going to suppress the innate anti, uh, the innate immune system for a long time, that it is not going to be able to be trained or to be educated to recognize all the viruses it should recognize, but instead can even be pushed to recognize components of its own body that suppress in fact, or that will lead, that will lead to autoreactivity and immune pathology. And that is irreversible. Think about this. This is irreversible and very, very serious. So it will lead to a tremendous storm of acute COVID death. There is no doubt about this and very severe immune pathology. I, I swear you, I have 30 years of vaccine expertise. Uh, this is not a joke. And there is no uh, way that parents can simply accept the very cheap publicity and, you know, the mainstream message, get your child vaccinated. It is extremely dangerous. What I'm talking about is much more dangerous even than the side effects that people are discussing. So please bear this in mind. I beg you, I really beg you, don't vaccinate your child because in many cases it will be a death sentence for the child. Thank you. Welcome to The Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant, independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Friday, January 6th, 2022. Thank you for joining me today. It's going to be an important show today, guys. It, it, this is one, and one that we've done before, really, with lots of new information to further bolster the point. I believe you guys know, I felt, and I think, I think I'm supported by facts with this that we have proven this the last time we did this not that we know for sure that everything happening is because of the injection but beyond a shadow of a doubt that some of it is i think most of it if not all of it that's my opinion but the fact that we've proven that the amount of not even just getting not even excess death the excess death part of what's going on now around the world makes it so much more obvious one part about that today but just the prevalence of previous studies the FIFA study, the NIH study, we've shown you both and how that compares to how many athletes, really just specifically athletes, having cardiac arrest. The amount is so far past the usual, it's mind-blowing. And yet the only thing they want to say is that it's not the vaccine. What else is happening then? Same thing with the excess death. Well, we don't know. Okay, well, then if you don't know, how are you claiming you know it's not the injection? And all they, all they do is push back and say safe and effective and the same old mantra. The reality is that this is falling apart in every possible facet. 
experts like you just saw, Gert Vandenbosch, plenty of people have been coming out and telling you this for a long time now. Not just for some, but bad for everybody. Every single person is at risk by taking this, not because of the lack of efficacy, which is there, not only because, not only because of the gigantic body of adverse events that are going to push you at serious risk, not because the danger they say is there, if it even is there at all, is now shown to be less than the flu from the very beginning. God only knows how low that is now, seeing as how they keep saying it's getting less and less dangerous, but more transmissible. We're going to go through the evidence today just on this topic and specifically, you know, because of the, the, the DeMar Hamlin conversation and how that really did wake a lot of people up to, to, to the question. For, to them, that was the first time they saw that, asking, well, well, how is only one case being deemed? Well, if you think it's only one case, then you're still not paying attention. It's time to go through all of this, not tooth and comb and everything we've done, but giving you a general basis for what we've already talked about and building out the rest of this. And in my opinion, and you know I don't use this term lightly, this is proven. Beyond a shadow of a doubt, proven that these things are dangerous and that these are causing, in some cases, collapsing athletes. And I, I don't even know how somebody could watch what we're going to go through today and walk away thinking that it's impossible. That's all we're saying. And what they're saying on the other side of this conversation is absolutely not possible, even though we don't know what's causing this. Let that work out in your mind. Now, there's a couple of other points we're going to add to this going through. But the real point today is just to make sure that we are being objective as possible. And the point being that we know, I mean, it's as simple as the basic reality that they are, they have admitted grudgingly, painfully grudgingly, that this, these injections, in particular mRNA, cause myocarditis or can. That's a fact. We all know that. They've been, they've, remember, I was censored on Twitter for the first time because I simply discussed the possibility, because of peer-reviewed science, that these injections were causing myocarditis. <laughs> we know this now. How many times that's happened? But the point is, is if we know that, and it's also a pretty common fact pre-COVID that myocarditis is a direct connection to sudden death. I don't even know why we have to have this conversation. Obviously, that's a possibility. <laughs> Yet, science doesn't seem to play a factor into the trust the science crowd anymore. It's just mantra, narrative. And if there's anything they can grasp onto that they can make it, well, this, what about this? What about that? That's enough. Enough to cast possible doubt, even if it's ridiculous level of doubt over the narrative means it can't be the vaccine. So today, we're going to prove to you that it can be, and that it is. Not every single one of them, but for sure, beyond a shadow of a doubt, this is causing what they're not, or what they're saying it is absolutely not. And let that season and flavor the entire conversation and ask, hopefully, for the new people, then ask yourself, what else are they lying about? So let's start today. Well, first, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play this clip again in the context of the show today, I decided to open with that. But just for me, I mean, this, this is somebody who is a seasoned expert in this topic, which I have, there's plenty of reasons that I have skepticism about just because of where he comes from and we're previously working for the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. These things matter, but at the end of the day, facts and truth are facts and truth, regardless of who say them. Not to say that that necessarily is every, you can come to your own conclusions about what he said, but I believe what he said is 100% accurate. And what he's talking about is, is something we've already discussed. And by the way, something he already said was going to happen before this all began, saying that when this happens, this is going to take place. And he was proven correct. He says he's begging you not to vaccinate your children because in many cases it will be a death sentence. The experts. Now, we'll come back to this. Let's start to, well, actually, first, before we get into the collapsing athlete, just one quick point I wanted to make that is relevant to the larger point. Derek Bros had an outstanding article 
this very topic should be headline breaking news. Of course, in the world we live in today, whether or not the world was being overtaken by a COVID illusion, this probably still wouldn't be covered because it's important and because it shows you the government is willfully trying to deceive you and hide important information from you because they're responsible for making this happen. Just absolute corruption. And yet this is nowhere, as far as I can tell, outside of the Floyd Action Network and Derek Bros. Internal CDC emails claim Assistant Secretary for Health, Rachel Levine, the transgender health secretary, blocked release of fluoride review. Now, if you guys are interested in this in general, Derek's been covering this for a long time, since 2020. It's been, a, it's, or I think before that, actually, it's been a four-year process of what we've called the fluoride trial. And I'm not going to go into it because I want to focus on the bigger topic today of, of the collapsing athletes, but the process has been insulting. That's say it lightly. The idea that, the, that they have dragged their feet, they have hidden this, they have called for multiple review processes, completely unprecedented, just to keep this dragging along and not being reviewed to you, not being shown to you. Because we all know fluoride is dangerous and not even remotely what they say it is. And I think it's something more important what, what that's doing to you that they seemingly need or other, just that it's a big deal. Whatever this shows you, that there's no hiding from. Probably that they know right now that they're hiding the reality that this is hurting you, lowering your IQ. Now, this is important just to read this first part, and then we'll jump into the main part of the show today. Newly released emails reveal that leadership within the, U the CDC and the NIH both acted to prevent the release of a long-delayed review of fluoride's toxicity by the National Toxicology Program, the NTP. The emails specifically claim and this is because of a FOIA request. Please make sure you read the article. They specifically claim that Assistant Secretary for Health, Rachel Levine, intervened to stop, personally, to stop the release of the NTP review, also known internally as the monograph, which is like a body of work, uh, was the actual definition. It was a detailed written study of a single specialized subject. An email dated June 3rd, 2022, shows Nicole Johnson, Associate Director for Policy Partnerships and Strategic Communication at in the CDC's Oral Health Division, Contacting Jennifer Greaser, gotta love these names, a senior public health policy analyst in CDC's Washington office, Johnson states verbatim, the latest we heard is that A.S.H. Levine, speaking of Rachel Levine, has put the report on hold until further notice. Now, there's no reason that makes sense, guys. It's a report that's been dragged out for four different review processes. There's nothing wrong with it. All the people involved are like, look, this is done. This is our final review. It's over. And there's nothing else they can do, so they just put it on hold indefinitely. The reality, guys, these are this is dangerous. Now, it says, quote, these emails confirm that NTP considered the May 2022 monograph to be their final report. They also confirm the CDC was opposed to the releasing of the report in general, and that leadership at the top levels of the Department of Health and Human Services intervened to stop it from being released. This is just straight up a cover-up, guys. They're hiding the facts from you. There's no justifiable medical reason, legal reason, or any other reason for them to just not let you see this, other than there's something they don't want you to see. There's no national security argument. I'm sure they're going to try to spin that somehow. But your kids are drinking this water, and it's dangerous. I beg of you to look into this topic so you understand the real breadth of this and how dangerous this can be. And please look at the rest of it and see how ridiculous this has become. On a quick side note, which, of course, it's January 6th, but I'm not going to get into this day. Everybody else will be talking about this, even though I think this is largely, even though this is a very important topic. I just did an entire interview with somebody else's podcast today about this. 
but the idea that this is largely the distraction, in my opinion, from what is most important in this moment, not the overall January 6th psyop and how alarmingly important that is to what they're trying to do to us, but the discussion of the committee and the way this is going. I personally find this to be <laughs> the internal processes of our government are always distraction as far as I'm concerned, but just so it aligns with the first point. And the cover-up of information, that, which will then align with the larger point we're making today of collapsing athletes and their active effort to cover up what these injections are doing to you. Gateway Pundit wrote, what are they hiding? January 6th committee sealed all important videos and documents for 50 years. You know, because that's what normally happens, right? In the process of transparency, just blocking things for 50 years. What does that even mean? Sort of sounds like the FDA trying to hide things for 70 years, right? Almost like... They don't want you to see what they have. So they just decide they can put a block for 50 years because politics, because national security, whatever. Nobody should look at this as anything other than hiding information because they know what you will do. That's important. It just blows my mind. In any case, obviously January 6th is important, but I feel like I've done an endless amount of work on why that is tied to everything else we're talking about, including COVID-19, including the Ukraine conversation. It's all about taking your rights away, removing your freedom. And on the Twitter note, by the way, I had a whole bunch on the show today. Twitter over, I had a whole section on Twitter, great reset, climate change, all sorts of stuff. And I moved it all the way to focus on this today. But on that note, tomorrow, I will be having a conversation. Hashtag Twitter files, COVID narratives, and the importance of source material. <laughs> Something that's scaring away all the people that have been cheering on the Twitter files this entire time. And having an objective conversation tomorrow about why that's not what we're getting. Hopefully you can all join me. At, this is 12 p.m. Central Time. Now, to start off today, I want to make a point about how we've been doing this since uh, middle of 2021. Along with a lot of people, I often shout out Jay Wilderness and his outstanding compilations that really did bring a lot of attention to this. you got to give him credit for that because he really did reach, like, I believe his following on YouTube wasn't that large, but his main video got a really strong reach. It showed you how thirsty people were for the truth. And this this one on November 8th was one. Of, there's a few others, but just in case you want to go back and look at the larger body of work, I think these are important. It shows you how clear this was me proving them the same way I'm going to today using studies that were already there. In this case, proving that the amount of people collapsing were so far ahead of what we should have been expecting, and yet nobody seemed to care. Children, and, and the important part, guys, today all we're talking about specifically is athletes collapsing while on the field, or rather while engaged in athletic activity. Just to make a very clear point today. However, it goes so far beyond that. We're going to get into why that makes sense. We talked about it briefly last time. The idea of the adrenaline and the, the myocarditis overlap and what that does in those situations. And then we can see that it's causing myocarditis. And it's, it's very clear, as well as the expert Dr. Malone spoke to, who says that half of these players show signs of myocarditis that don't show without taking tests. So that's why I think we're seeing this. That doesn't mean every one of them who are in that position who then run are going to have these happen. It's even within these groups, it's not a constant, but it is very clear and highly above the what we would expect numbers. My point, though, is that children and athletes aren't being considered. I mean, what about the people collecting the doctors in Canada that we're all having these problems, right? There's so many little caveats. It's everywhere. Anybody taking these things are at risk for these problems. That's what we have to understand. So just think about how much that encompasses and then think it's around the world, guys. And think about places where we're not even being confronted with the information places that are considered third world countries that you would never even see the information. God only knows what's happening, but remember this is much larger. 
children and athletes are collapsing and dying from sudden cardiac arrest at unprecedented levels. I said that in 2021 because it was true then. I followed up a couple of days later, the ongoing cover-up of this problem because they were pushing back on it even then. And then, of course, a lot of it between then, but then we had the conversation on the third. Demar Hamlin suffers cardiac arrest in the field. And I posed it simply as, is it appropriate to ask the question, which I love that everybody knew what question I was talking about, which that's obvious today. But it's interesting to show you how we all know this is the gigantic elephant in the room, which in its own right says something. The point was obviously immediately, yes, obviously, no matter what. That's always my opinion. No matter how inappropriate you may think it is, or rather in the context of the, of the, no matter how inappropriate they may say it is, it's always appropriate to ask a question about what's going on, about what you're researching if you're a journalist or just something, if you just simply care. There's never something off the table when you're genuinely just trying to find the truth. That's what they want you to think because, you know, words are dangerous and vile. No, that's, that's the fake news. That's because they're trying to scare you away from thinking for yourself. Obviously, it's appropriate to ask the question, and we'll make that even more clear today, as other experts are telling you, almost to the point to where they're arguing it's a moral imperative that they're obligated to tell you what's going on because they forced them to do this and because this does have an effect on everybody else. Anyway, watch that if you want to catch up to this point about the previous discussions of Damar Hamlin specifically. Now, what we saw around this conversation was overwhelmingly ridiculous immediately before anybody even knew what was going on. Something that Dr. Peter McCullough, myself, and plenty of others pointed out. Within moments, there were doctors with videos on YouTube saying it's definitely not the injection before they even knew what was happening, before they even declared it cardiac arrest. All that shows you is an effort to jump to the narrative, which, by the way, happens on all sides of any argument. People that just want to get out there and say what they think is going to get them attention and get them patted on the head by the people in their circles happens everywhere. The problem is that the corporate media has far more influence, or at least they perceive themselves as having that influence, and every one of them, the inevitable grotesque effort to blame vaccines. Now, there were plenty of people that unjustly jumped over the top and said, this is the jab. And you know what? They have a right to say that. They have a right to their opinion. These ridiculous garbage platforms of corporate media have no right to tell them they're stupid or gross or bad for having an opinion. God forbid. But nonetheless, it was inappropriate, I would argue, to attempt to scream you know when you clearly don't I, inappropriate's the wrong word it's simply just unjust for you to say it is this when you clearly couldn't know that yet you should say in my opinion this is what this is or that most likely based on everything we know it's an easy guess to say that's likely that, you know whatever but you don't know which is what i said we don't know for sure but the data and my opinion very clearly this is go this is the most likely culprit which again, we'll get into experts telling you exactly that. Based on many different reasons, this is the logical scientific estimation. So when this happens right now with everything we have in front of us, it's almost logical to go probably the vaccine, but they don't want you thinking like that. And the stooges in the corporate media probably don't even know that. That's the important part. These people are not informed. But just taking a look at this for the podcast, it's just a smattering of corporate media saying gross and disgusting and how dare they and what right-wingers exploiting so-and-so when most of this was just genuine engagement and seeking the truth, or some of it at the very least. But of course, if you even ask, you're a dangerous anti-vaxxing right-wing whatever they want to name you that day. Now, it was interesting how we saw this pushback of a very benign clip by the way, I think I have it right here. One of these upcoming clips I think I had somewhere over here. We'll get to this. I hate when I do that. Anyway, I guess I don't. Well, I, I, if I remember, if I get to it, I'll show you. But anyway, I had the clip from yesterday or day before yesterday when where 
we saw Hamlin get hit or rather, I guess, hit, but whatever they, they tackle. And I'll show you in a moment, even, even the reports from corporate are being forced to are, it was a very benign, basic, normal hit, like as normal as it gets, despite all of the screamers on social media coming out so hot over the top to say, I can't believe such a crazy hit and you don't look how bad that was. Just whatever you can say to make it sound like it was totally crazy. And the hit was why it happened before we even knew. But Robert Griffin III, of all people, a football player, somebody, in fact, who's pretty well, who knows about hits, being hit himself plenty of times on the run, urges social media users to not share the play. Now, you look at the tweet itself, the, it's more about saying, share this picture because we're praying for him. But it's odd, isn't it? What do you mean, don't share the play? When is that ever? I mean, they make reels. Of the biggest hits. Usually in many of these cases where people get hurt. But they, they share it at ESPN all the time. What a strange thing to say. Don't look at the thing that's going to make you clearly aware that it was not that big of a hit. I found that to be pretty strange whether he did it for that reason or not. In any case, it screams to me that there's some kind of effort to downplay looking at it and just taking what they tell you is happening. <laughs> Twitter files. You know, how the, the normal thing we're seeing today. But we'll start with a couple of clips from people. That, that we were spaying high wire and uh, what was the other one and uh, 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 Dr. McCullough on, on, on uh, Tucker and letting you hear what they're saying about this before we get into my discussion and the, the peer reviewed science very clearly backing all of this up. But first, we'll start with Jessica Rose, PhD, speaking with Dell and what she's seeing about this. Then we'll talk. We'll hear Dr. McCullough speaking with Tucker. And we'll go over a couple of other athletes giving you their opinions. And then we're going to go right to the corporate media and what they're telling you. This absolutely is not. And then use their own study to prove, first of all, it is. <laughs> Very ridiculous how this works. But let's watch this clip first. Is A causing B in specific populations? Because mm. if you can think of a population where it's really unlikely to see this cause-effect relationship, pick that population and see if it's happening. So you wouldn't expect massive heart attacks in healthy young athletes. Right. And you wouldn't expect them in children. Right. I would I would assume everybody would agree with that statement. You'd like to think so, but especially today, as we've all seen, the weird and aggressive effort to normalize that heart attacks have always been there. Kids are always having heart attacks. Like and it's statistically verifiably not true. Yes, in some cases. But the idea that we're acting like defibrillators on the playground are somehow normal today. It's the same reason they jumped up and screamed that the hit was the biggest thing they've ever seen. Because there's some kind of an effort pushing even average people to defend something they don't even understand. The facts are clear. This was never the case before, especially in children and especially in young people, athletes or otherwise. So we, we are seeing that. And it's statistically significant in both of these groups. Obviously important. So, um... Everybody is hearing, well, I don't know if everybody is, but uh, there are stories about athletes dropping dead. We have and a Before, real quick, the point is, too, that statistically significant, that's wildly important. This is the, this point, the, the, the discussion about masks and why they're not statistically significant, even though they have effects, it's just not statistically significant in reducing transmission. That's what science, in a scientific discussion, that's what's important. In this case, what she said there is what we were pointing out back in November 2021, that statistically speaking, it's significant. You're seeing more athletes collapse than ever before in previous studies. The FIFA study going over, I think, a six-year period, and the point is you can easily see the numbers are way, way, way higher. It's statistically significant, and yet the people screaming about that in regard to COVID stuff don't seem to care. It's willful ignorance. So um, 
everybody is hearing, well, I don't know if everybody is, but uh, there are stories about athletes dropping dead. We have and a video that we've, we've put out a video with the high wire that I think we have now over 100 cases of athletes fall, you know, crashing That's in many times face first, not even protecting themselves from immediate arrest, grabbing their chests, uh, some of them ending up dying. And, you know, I've been attacked by fact checkers and news agencies saying you have no proof uh, that the vaccine caused that. And I said, N but I am not saying that it is what I'm saying. And I'm asking my audience, do you ever remember a time where we saw hundreds of athletes around the world all suffering a similar cardiac event while playing? I'm and then, of course, you get the argument we'll get into today where they, well, COVID, well, COVID's doing it. Okay, well, that's also shown not to be the case. At best, that's completely up in the air. I'll show you studies from both sides of the argument and show you that the that it's not as clear as they want to pretend that it is. Even the study claiming that it's higher after COVID-19, assuming that's even what there, it says itself that it is higher specifically in numerous different age groups. So their pushback says, well, yeah, it actually is higher after the injection, but but in, in this one group, it's lower. And I don't even know why we believe that when you've got other studies showing you the exact opposite. It, I, we'll get into that in a second. The point is that that's the typical argument. Well, there was COVID, but it doesn't line up with the facts, and that's being that's the square peg in the round hole. I mean, that's just, you know, here we are. We have a product that was not properly safety tested. It Correct. did not. It was did not remain in a controlled environment where it Correct. should have under, you know, close scrutiny of good doctors. They gave it to the world and said, we'll have to see if there's any events. Well, if right. we can't question this, if we can't say I don't ever remember a time, then who is going to respond if we have made a tragic error? And as you've said, we now have specific knowledge that this spike protein does cause heart swelling does cause blood clots so is it you know is is it is it plausible i guess is the word is it plausible that an athlete who's at the top of their health grabs their chest and collapses over or is getting blood clots that is being caused by the vaccine well it has an element in it that is designed to do exactly that yeah and and you make such a beautiful point and it's it goes back to the simplicity of science a really good question everybody needs to ask themselves if they're still having doubt about whether there's a connection here is what was happening before and what's unique to 2021? Because right. that's really what's standing out in all the data that we're looking at, not just the adverse event data. Right. Uh, it's also something that we're seeing in, in publish, uh, pu publications. One important point to make here is that, and they'll say this th today, at least at one point, that, well, it started in 2020, so therefore, not the vaccine. It's simple, right? Except that's not the full picture, because it was, in fact, being given in trials and so on. But the point is that you can show people were still having heart attacks. The point is the dramatic, unprecedented, through-the-roof spike in 2021. Gigantically more than 2020, whether or not you saw a beginning of an increase. And then, of course, to 2022, which is just obscene. I'm only, I, I, my prediction of 2023 is it's going to be even worse. A Baker County High School senior is in the hospital after collapsing on the tennis courts. Breaking new details on the deaths of a high school soccer player. Finland, Denmark star man, Christian Eriksson. I almost think this is Jay Wilderness' video. I remember Highwire played the, some of this, but I feel like that was the, the sound he made in the background. In any case, 
I really want to make sure we understand. Like, of course, you know, Highwire, I'm so glad that they're getting this out and, and getting the reach on this because they have much further reach. But it's important to recognize that there were people like Wilderness and others out there that were making this connection long before even the bigger people in the independent media were doing so. And making this clear and, you know, and they deserve credit for that in particular. I, I, I think that was the uh, and then good scienting will point out in a minute again, who has been attacked left and right by everybody, even though it's sourced and, and easily verifiable. But it's important to see that because these things are getting lots of reach now. And it's important to make sure we circle back to that and look at the full picture. It's so important. By, by the way, some, Jessica Rose is somebody I would love to connect with. She's doing outstanding work. There's so many people out there doing great work today. It really is more than not at this point. I mean, it's just they're stuck with people like Hotez and Fauci. <laughs> it's just, what an embarrassing pushback. And overall, you've got the leading people in the field these days pushing back on what they're saying. And yet it's still conspiracy theorists in their basement. Sad. Collapsing towards the end of the first half. The Kennedy High community mourning tonight after one of their high school football players died. A South Carolina high school football player has died after collapsing at football practice. Star college basketball player collapsing on the court. We want to warn you, the video may be difficult to watch. Florida Gators star Keontae Johnson collapsing during the game. No, this may be Highwire's version of it. I feel like, I feel like now I'm remembering it was on theirs first. Either way, it's regard, regardless, Highwire has been doing great work on this as well. It's just it's amazing to see that this is the way that this is being shown and the compilation. The, the important part today is to show you that even the numbers they keep citing will prove to you in real time. It's I mean, it's a it's evidence that they're either ignoring numerous examples or some kind of weird metric they're using to pretend like they don't fit. I don't even know. We'll show you. I'll show you what I mean in a moment. It's um, it's easy as I mean, just looking at the source material to see that this is through the roof. More than 13 for sure, which is what they're claiming. A West Catholic high school student has died after collapsing during a football scrimmage. On mile eight, she suddenly felt fuzzy and blacked out. 17-year-old Ryan Jacobs' heart stopped. Unexpectedly collapsed on the field. Megan went into cardiac arrest. Collapsing during Friday night's football game. Yeah, you could tell Highwire uses that certain image, the view right there with the, the article kind of in the page. I like that view. Man, see, there's so many kids involved in this too. There's so many instances of children, and they don't they don't factor that in when they do these. The reason for studies. his collapse is unknown. The reason why Manny collapsed in the first place still isn't known. And then also you got blood clots and all these things that happen that they're not factoring in as well because maybe they're not collapsing, maybe they're not playing in the game. But you know, so you might be wondering how someone in such great shape could suffer cardiac arrest. It's a rare thing that happens, right? Where they normalized undiscovered heart attack for no reason. That doesn't happen. That means they don't know why. There's always a reason. You don't just randomly have a heart attack for no reason. Yeah. There's so many other parts of this, and I'll show you again when we get to the good sciencing part. The, showing you how many examples that aren't being included. Corner says fit the this condition narrative. is rare. Blood clots are the, the biggest example. There are so many examples of this of players, even at, even NFL level, they're just out for something. It's just one of those tragedies. Now, obviously, you she could argue signs no. before this race. Absolutely not. She felt like she was in the best shape of her life. That's incredible. 
obviously you can argue that some of these aren't the injection, that it really was just a coincidence. I mean, that's obviously possible, but how are you going to pretend like none of this is, none of it is connected to the thing that you're telling us can cause this? No matter how rare you want to pretend that it is. And for those new to this show, this is not, we haven't even begun. This is just a video. We're, we're going to get into the source material and the facts and the science in a moment. USC wants to attack, but you've got to be careful. He collapsed. He collapsed. We have a player down. Dad. Well, obviously incredibly powerful and sad, uh, tragic. I just want to let people know that obviously there's no proof uh, that the over 75 stories we found when looking into this that are now being reported around the world of athletes Far more you know, collapsing onto the, the, the turf uh, of their different sports. We have no proof that that happened because of the vaccine, but this is happening at a time where all of these sports are mandating this vaccine on everybody in order to play. And I can only ask the very simple question, do you ever remember hearing a story of an athlete having a heart attack on the field? Now, he says there's no proof that it's the injection. Now, there's two ways to take that. First of all, that what he's saying is in individual cases, we haven't proven that it is the injection. Obviously, based on what we just discussed with Jessica Rose and what he's discussing, it's obviously possible. So what he's not saying is there's no, I mean, I argue that what we're doing today is proof. And I'll show you, it's proven that this is happening. But in in each individual case, like with Damar, for example, have we proven that that was the injection? I mean, I think that's up in the air. It's highly likely based on what we're hearing so far. But overall, I think it's undeniable here. And I do and I do think that there are plenty of cases that have already been proven. For example, there's people that have doctors who have written down vaccine induced myocarditis, which is what caused them to collapse. Like, again, the example of the golfer. Right. So this has been proven. In numerous cases here. Is Dr. Peter McCullough speaking with Tucker? Other, uh, this is the explanation. And, you know, and he does kind of, and, you know, I argue when they are on the corporate channels, they're, they're maybe irritatingly more so objective. It's discussing COVID-19 is the possibility and so on. Fair enough. I disagree with that based on a lot of different things. We'll go through it today. But what he's discussing is how this is like the point about the adrenaline and how the sports level activity is what's leading to this. Even if there was a pre-existing condition, argument is still that the injection of what that does is what caused it to become the immediate problem. To assess. Doctor, thank you so much for coming on. So this is one of those phenomena that people who use social media are aware of because there are videos of it floating around. But I don't know when the last time I heard, if ever, an American public health authority address this directly and tell people, what is this? Is this real? Tell us your findings from your actual study on this. It is very strange, the, the, the difference in the way they're engaging with this. Remember, I made that point the other day. When is the last time you saw the entirety of corporate media kind of as if this was some kind of a bombing activity in the middle of a war? Like, breaking news, we've got a report about this happening. They've always reported on it, but the way that they covered this one shows you how important it is for them to maintain the narrative because they see that we see it. That's why. That's why I think these release valve type things happen. The concern here is that 
athletes at a professional level, Tucker, are carefully screened right. for underlying heart disease. The leading cause of sudden death on the playing field is hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. The athletes are screened for this. Uh, there are rare conditions, genetic abnormalities in heart rhythm uh, that can present. Uh, but sudden cardiac death should be a very unusual phenomenon. And as your report indicates, it's extremely unusual in the NFL since the high level of scrutiny. There's a differential diagnosis that doctors go through when this happens. I watched it live, and then I watched the replay as a cardiologist. To me, it looked like he made a hard tackle. There was head and neck uh, impact. But he got up, he clapped his hands, and then he fell over backwards. It looked like a primary cardiac arrest. Everything that was done on the field looked perfect. I think the duration of CPR resuscitation is going to be in a window where he can have neurologic recovery. Uh, the issue is what caused it. And the concern based on our research is that COVID-19 can cause myocarditis or heart damage. The heart damage in some cases can be asymptomatic and the initial presentation can be a cardiac arrest. There's other things in the differential, genetic abnormalities of heart rhythm disturbance, hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, uh, a, a spinal cord type of interaction with the heart. But I think the leading concern here is vaccine-induced myocarditis, if indeed he's taken the vaccine. Right. And boy, the family, the Bills doctors, and the current doctors at University of Cincinnati Medical Center have a public health obligation to tell us if he's taken the vaccine. I think a lot of people are going to push back on that, but I agree with that. I really do. I think that's important. Now, here's a video that we just played. Just to the first part, we're talking about the idea that these are screened aggressively. These players, these are high-level athletes. The point is, as Dr. Malone was just speaking, as we played the other day, and then we'll get into the actual science here, or rather first the corporate discussion, which will overlap with the science, is that these people in these previous in a study that this expert has seen, I, he, I think he says 50% of them have this, these signals. So this might not have been as important as it was a moment as it is now a moment ago. But now with the new scientific peer reviewed studies we're going to go over, it shows you that this connection is important. The myocarditis overlap. And I think that they shot themselves in the foot by admitting that this is as prevalent as it is. Even even the lying they're doing and pretending two in a million. It's enough to point out that if it's causing this, we can argue that means it's increased the prevalence in the society, which means that the myocarditis level activity or the activity level of activity while having myocarditis causes what we're talking about and yet they're acting like this is fake news conspiracy theory to even ask the question talk about a cover-up kirk you're probably the most uh qualified physician scientist i've encountered for talking about pediatric uh damage to the heart associated with both the virus and the vaccine um are in your opinion if we have the mandates deployed in the state of California that Governor Newsom has signed into law, are we going to see significant numbers of death in, in damaged hearts in California from the vaccines? Well, I, I, th well, I, I think depending on how many people they get to take it, um, yeah, I think the number is just a numbers game. I think as you look around the world, we're getting down to a number of somewhere between one in 3,000, one in 6,000. If we and remember, I'll show you this study in a moment. That's gone all the way to, I think it was 10 and 18, ultimately one in 55, 555, I think is what it was. Then that's, that's Pfizer specifically and myocarditis risk. That's a current rant new study. Either way, one in 6,000 is, is obscenely too high. Allow those kids to stay active and play. I think there's a lot of myocarditis that is under the radar. Right. A recent study on uh, elite athletes out of the Big Ten 
showed that when they looked at the, the cardiac MRI of the elite athletes, almost 50% had, or around 50% had um, myocarditis that couldn't be, wasn't known by symptoms, um, but was seen on cardiac MRI. And that puts them at risk for sudden death. Wow. So the point being is that whether, I mean, let's just even pretend that this is just pre-existing which I don't believe. But the idea that suddenly these people, because of their high-level athletics, they have just this very small level of, you know, pressure, or, you know, stress on the heart, you know, in the sense of a, in a myocarditis diagnosis that's only seen if you invasively look for it, that otherwise might not have ever really caused them to have a problem in the long term, but then they got the injection because they were forced to, Big Ten, I believe he's talking college, and now we see what's happening. Either way, what we're talking about is the exact conditions to do via injection, exactly what we're seeing. Now, two examples of, of other people in the field of athletics, this case, retired John Stockton, basketball player. They're speaking up. John Stockton claims it's possible that thousands of pro athletes have died from the COVID injection, not just after the injection, but he's claiming he believes that thousands have already died due to the injection. Now, it says in an interview with Spokane, Washington Spokesman Review, Stockton claimed he knew of 100. So he knew personally 150 athletes who died from the COVID vaccine. He says, I think it's highly recorded now. There's 150, I believe now it's over 100 professional athletes dead. Professional athletes, the prime of their life, dropping dead, vaccinated right on the pitch, right on the field, right on the court. John Stockton said this world renowned athlete. Those claims, he says, are not backed up by or rather, excuse me, the the platform says those claims are not backed up by any science or actual data. I mean, that's not true. I mean, it's just a blatant false statement. They say that because that's what they're supposed to say. I knew, and by the way, I'll, I've already proven to you some, and I'll show you more when we get in after this clip. It's There's plenty of data. Data doesn't mean proof, but to pretend there's no data to back up that claim, I mean, my God, we just went over it. If it can cause myocarditis, that means the myocarditis could be present at the injection, which could cause, which could cause this to happen. It's simple. But that could be 0.01% for all you care. That still is evidence that backs up that it could happen. But they're just reflexively going, fake news, not possible. He said at the time when he first talked about this, he knew 150 was too low. He claims he had evidence of the athletes who died when he made those claims the first time, speaking of Spokane Review. He says he went back and looked again in this current review. I have names, pictures, faces where they played. I had over 300 at the time, so I felt pretty secure with my little 150. And again people had to come out and argue. I had the proof in my hands, a piece of paper with those names. The former Utah Jazz star then made the bolder claim that he had then last year, jumping that up to today, saying now he thinks it's thousands. He says, but don't quote me on that too late. But I'm not saying thousand, but I'm not saying 1,000, but it might be. It's a big number. So th see, these are people that are now having the courage to go, not that we know for sure, but obviously that there's enough evidence on the table as far as they're concerned to say that they think this is happening. What, that's a big shift. Rogan O'Handley, uh, a journalist, I'm not very familiar with what platform, but uh, has this that he claims he received. So you can take this with a grain of salt. This is this is what he this is. Again, this is this is Twitter files level. Right. So it might be could be a complete lie. He could be lied to. He could be misunderstood about it. Either way, that's just always how you have to engage with this. But seemingly how no one is with the Twitter files that is sucked into the whole argument. That doesn't mean it's not that it's dismissed. Right. Or that it is absolute fake. It could very well be real. The point is that it's a screenshot. Therefore, we don't know for sure. But he says, today, I received this message from a former NFL player. So many current and former players are scared of what this vax is doing to their friends, and they're not allowed to discuss it publicly. Many argue that the reason there were so many that were upset immediately before they knew what was happening is because a lot of them know what's going on and they're and they're scared. He says, I promised him I would be his voice 
But my God, what is happening to us? It says, if I die from a sudden heart attack or drop dead, I 100% believe it was from the COVID vaccine I received in 2021. I want you to be my voice and fight for me if I somehow pass. This may seem extreme, but recently I've had more than a few people I've known to be healthy individuals just drop out of nowhere with no explanation. The vaccine being the common thing they all had in common, which doesn't mean we know for sure. But it's logic to think that that's likely based on what we're looking at and then looking at the science itself. So let's get into this. Well, oh, actually, I forgot about this one first. Just to show you this absurdity. Well, let me, I, let me, I think that I don't want to play the whole thing, but to show you that this is what's happening on the corporate media saying, quote, absolutely no link, no link at all between COVID-19 vaccine and DeMar Hamlin's collapse. None. That's what they're saying. I mean, if you can believe that they have the goal to say something like that. Do have some updates on Lamar. Let me come over here. Sorry, but prompters cut off right there. Tamar Hamlin's condition after he collapsed during Monday night's football game. As of this taping, the Buffalo Bills player remains in a hospital after going into cardiac arrest on the field. In an interview with reporters, his uncle said that Tamar was resuscitated once on the field, 100% oxygen from a ventilator right here, also was lit up in blue as a tribute to Tamar. Talked about yesterday, has received more than $6 million in donations, and that's as of this taping. So for more on this, we are joined by Dr. Coley, who is also a cardiologist. So, Dr. Coley, we have so many questions yeah, for you. We're I, so glad that you're here. Doc, uh, Doc, I don't know what we'd do without you today. You know, uh, watching that game, seeing that he had to be resuscitated on the field. Yeah, I wonder why they don't have Dr. McCultra or, or, or Dr. Peter McCullough. Or the, I wonder, right? You know, it's, it's interesting the choices made on the, the current state of the corporate media. It was terrifying for all of us. But then to find out that it happened for a second time when he got to the hospital. Talk to us about what. As far as I know, that's actually not true. That's how that's how ridiculous this has gotten. Apparently, the the uncle came out and made statements that then the hospital said weren't true. <laughs> and then who knows if that's changed tomorrow or the next moment. But, you know, corporate media, they just regurgitate things, guys. They're not very informed. I hope we can see that by now. That means what do you honestly think when you hear that as a, as a physician? You know, it's not all that uncommon, but it did make me a little sad to hear that. Because if it was only once, then whatever that initial trauma or whatever triggered that arrhythmia might have gone away. But the fact that it happened a second time and that two minutes later when he was at the hospital, you know, that makes me a little more concerned. My main question is, was it the same thing that caused both arrests, which would be a little bit more ominous, that there's some underlying problem with the heart itself that yeah. is causing him to arrest repeatedly or was it that the first arrest caused the second arrest because when you're down your organs are not getting cause your heart to rest for a different reason that so how, his uncle also said damar was being sedated right to recover is that normal after somebody has a cardiac down their body all the inflammatory cells aren't going in there and causing damage so you do that for about 20 and warming them up because you could have had an arrhythmia we'll really have to wait till he warms up probably not doing too much of, of it really bad news that we're not hearing anything at the moment i would not expect i forgot where it was guys i have to I, hear I, anything people here. don't have <laughs> cardiac arrest and then just wait how he it's really yes it's just a lot of the terminology that i'm listening to Dr. Coley knows it reminds me so much of everything I heard on the daily with my brother-in-law, Eric. So I just want to say this, and then I don't want to say anything more. I pray that he makes a full recovery, and I pray that he doesn't have a long... I can imagine for his family to see him on his stomach in the prone... What issue, essentially, and, and we expect... Ah, well, I'm going to skip it. It's just, it just I, There was a one point that I was going to make that I, I forget where it was and not just the fact that they're saying that it 100% is, but that's the just the crux of the point that there's no link. 
100%, no link for sure. And this is the corporate media conversation that they're willing to get all emotional and make these claims and it, but based and it'll shout down anything that they don't want you to hear because that's the talking point. That's how this works. And a perfect example of that is how the Atlantic ran this paper. Now, here's how it first came out, by the way. Or rather, excuse me, the, uh, yeah, the, the, let's see. Right, this is, how, this is how it is now. This is what it looks like right now. The inflated risk of vaccine-induced cardiac arrest. The inflated risk. Interesting. Okay, what did it look like when it first came out? What they very quickly changed. Oh, look at that. COVID vaccines aren't killing athletes. Quite a bit more specific, isn't it? I wonder why they changed that. What do you think? Probably because that's a stupid thing to say. When when they say the inflated risk, I mean, look, it's kind of hilarious that the second title that they put on this article is contradicting the very premise of the first title. Think about how stupid that is. So they come out saying it's not happening. Then go, well, okay, inflated risk. So that means that it is then. So there is a risk. So you were lying the first time. You got it wrong the first time. I mean, my God, these people are pathetic. I cannot even believe that you would feel like it's appropriate to just change the title that actually contradicts the entire point of the first title. I mean, my God. Now, anyway, let's go through and look at how ridiculous this article is and all the rest of the ones that were making this kind of claim. COVID vaccines aren't killing athletes. Okay, bold claim. Well, after making a routine defensive play, just so we're clear about that, that's the reality, regardless of what anybody was screaming on Twitter, anybody that's ever played or anybody that knows it's that was a anyone that watches football knows that was a as benign a tackle as we've ever seen. Very basic routine. The source of his illness remains unclear. Yeah, that's that fair, I guess. I mean, the point is that all they're saying is that this is a cardiac arrest and that All they can do is guess about how this thing could have hit just right. And everything about that doesn't add up, including the fact that the entire state setup of the pads themselves are designed to stop exactly things like that. Or the fact that it's the the chance. And this point I thought was important from the last show. The, the, The statistical possibility with all the pads, with the style of hit, with the athletic level of the individual, everything on the table is easily dramatically less possible than what they tell you is possible after the injection with myocarditis and the science will show you. So just think about that for a moment. They are guessing into a less statistical possibility while telling you you're not allowed to offer up something that's more statistically possible, even with what they currently have admitted to. I mean, you can't make this stuff up. It says a study of sudden cardiac events in U.S. athletes from 2014 to 2016 found that structural structural abnormalities of the heart muscle or arteries and faulty electric rhythms were the most common causes. Dramatic chest injuries have also been linked to incidents in rare condition called commotial cortis. That seems super likely, doesn't it? Well, first of all, what they're saying there is, well, this study right here, this two-year study found that these things were the likely causes. But I guess they failed to consider what that study was also showing you. You know, the amount of people they found in that time frame, you know, and comparing that to what we're currently seeing today. Seeing very important, doesn't it? Well, let's, we'll do that next and show you that that proves to you right there we're dramatically over that number. Apparently, they don't care about that. As long as they can shout you down from the vaccine possibility, that, that's all they care about, it seems. Still, it says the availability of these hypotheses did not stop online activists from blaming Hamlin's health crisis on vaccines, which, sure, some people did. You know, sort of how... The entirety of corporate media said it wasn't also without knowing. I wonder why one's okay and one's not. But in this case, there's a lot of us that were just going 
It could be based on the science. We don't know yet. And you were equally cast as an anti-vaxxer in the same way because they don't know what to do with you. The objective majority out there that is genuinely concerned and sticking to the actual scientific research and scientific method, they don't know what to do. They're just going to call you anti-vaxxer and pretend you're a right-wing terrorist like everything else because that's the best they got. Now, it says anti-vaccine influencers have been fomenting fear about a supposed rise in COVID shot-induced athletic deaths for a while. Or many people have been covering the obvious increase that we can't define or explain without the obvious correlation of the injection that it lines with, you know, but frame it however you like, Atlantic, journalism and all. Fact checkers have repeatedly assessed these claims and found them to be without merit. (laughs) If you want to have fun, click on those three link, four links there and Take a look at what these, quote, fact checkers have argued. It's pathetic. I, I, I was going to do a thing on it. I didn't think it, it was what, not worth your time. It's pathetically stupid. What they're actually fact checking are, as usual, peripheral points of things that aren't even connected. And the scientific facts will show you next. I actually have this point I'll make in a future show about what these fact checkers really are. I think it was, um, uh, was it Nashville? I forget her name all of a sudden. Oh, Tennessee Lindsay, I think is the account, did a great little breakdown of what one of these fact checkers for these factcheck.com sites are. And it's somebody who doesn't even have scientific background or any scientific education. And yet they're fact checking scientists. It's pathetic. But it goes on to say Jonathan Dresner, a sports medicine physician who studies sudden deaths in athletes, told media outlets last year that he was, quote, not aware of any COVID-19 vaccine related athletic death. He said this in 2022, despite the fact that there has been countless provable on the record death certificates where the doctor said vaccine induced or vaccine induced. I mean, he says specifically sudden deaths. But what about the collapsing? We're talking about both, aren't we? The, the, the division one golfer I just discussed. That's an example. The doctor said myocarditis induced by the vaccine. So apparently this expert who studies this exact topic doesn't know about these. I mean, this is ridiculous, or he's lying. Either one is pretty concerning, isn't it? Because we're going to show you next how ridiculously obvious this is. Many of these people will show you collapsed on the field and then died. Now, the vaccine doesn't have to be part of that conversation in this moment. What it does show you, though, is there's plenty of examples of people in sports who did have a cardiac arrest and then died. And they just don't want to pretend it's COVID vaccine related. You know, despite doctors literally writing down COVID vaccine related. So I guess he read those and just said, I disagree. <laughs> so I'm not going to talk. I pretend like it's not there. It, it's just, there's no explaining this other than willful ignorance or being bad at your job, I guess. The National Center for Catastrophic Sports Injury Research, which systematically tracks sports-related fatalities, identified, get this, 13 medical deaths during only football-related activities. In 2021, only among players participating at all levels of competition, eight of which were caused by cardiac arrest. The same researchers had found 14 medical deaths two years earlier, 10 of which were heart related. The incidents remain tragic and scarce. That's what they're leaving this with. That is their due diligence. Let's take a quick look at this. First of all, here's the study that they pointed at saying what must be must be something other than the vaccine because these were the likely causes they put there on 2020. Talk about a fallacy, but either way, it says sudden cardiac arrest and death or CSA slash D a total of 179 cases of sudden cardiac arrest and death were identified over a two year period. When we're talking about specifically, uh, where was it? National 
right there. National surveillance. So the United States. Okay. 179 in two years. 74 arrests with survival. 105 of them died. 105 of the 179 they saw in a two-year period in specifically athletes, I guess, in general. And uh, let me see. uh, Yeah, NCAA. So specifically, it looks like basketball. And 179. Okay, so the point is, we can prove to you the number is gigantically more than that. But the overall point is that if they found just, I mean, the amount, just that number right there, you know how far, I mean, we already talked about this the other day. We're going to get into the numbers in general from the scientific studies, but finding 1,598 just from January 2021, 1,101 of which died. We'll show you the science, not just the screenshot next. So when you can see that, what, 10 times the amount? In a one-year period? How do we explain that? Or five times the amount in a one-year period? How do you pretend like that's not the biggest thing you just found? Instead, all they do is go, well, it must be cardio... uh, What was it again? Um, I just lost it in in my view here. Commotio cordis, which is all they're going to point at, even though that's statistically far rarer than anything we're pointing at. Now, this is where I want to go next on this before I lose my place. Right here. So, this is good sciencing. It's a platform we've shown you many times. A platform that gets a terrible reputation because the corporate media just acts like it's a conspiracy blog that doesn't prove anything and they make a bunch of leap... None of that's true. I mean, it's it's insulting. Like, it, that is the narrative they give to people who are too dumb to actually take the time to just look for themselves. Because it's immediately apparent that literally everything they say about this is completely untrue. The point is, they found 1,616 athletes that have cardiac arrest. 1,114 of them have died. This is all since COVID injection, not proving that it's because of it. Then you can go down and look all you want And find that these are all sourced. Every single one of them has a source link that you can look at the story for yourself. And it gives you a breakdown of what happened to them. Not all of them are cardiac arrest. Not all of them are even collapses. Some of them are blood clots. Some of them happen off the field. Some of them happen three days later. The point is, it's all very clear. It's all completely outlined. The assumption is happening on the side of the fact checkers. Don't you love that? Or that they just don't even care because they have to sell you on what they want you to think this is. The point is, let's do a quick little view of this, okay? I have this on a different different page here, where I broke down just the ones I could find in a certain period, a certain period of time. Before I tell you what that period of time was, or is, real quick, hold on. There we go. Before I tell you what that time is, I want to just go through and show you what I found. So first, now these are not in any specific order. These are like they so they said 13, right? 13. Now, specifically, they said 13 in a specific area or or time frame, but let's just go through and show you in a very short period of time what we plucked out. All of which you can look into for yourself. Sports community remembers Anna Burns. They gave everything they have. A junior, three sport athlete, passed away. uh, Where was it? Uh, Experienced cardiac arrest at a meet. Obviously, that concluded. And, all, and again, we, we didn't we put aside many, many examples of this. I mean, look, all that you can see in good science in here, there's a lot of these that say things like uh, just colla- uh, collapse due to cardiac arrest, but it necessarily wasn't at on the field or 
stop playing because they had cancer, which we know is a related. It doesn't. It could be at the very least. We know that things like having blood clots in general and having to go to the hospital, all of which are cited and linked. Not any other claims other than that they died or have gotten ill following this. So there's a lot of these that we skipped over. Community mourns the death of Holmes County athlete. Senior uh, Tyler Erickson passed away suddenly Monday while practicing. Kids and adults alike. Bartlett High runner suffers heart attack during the race. Now, all of these are going to be between 2021, or actually, all of these guys are 2022. Winters Mill football player Grayson Lyons has surgery after being diagnosed with long QT uh, syndrome. Now it says varsity football player who needed medical attention was medevaced to the shock trauma from a game last Friday. Fast, chaotic heartbeats known as arrhythmias. See, there's slight, there's differences here, but and it, this could be random. It could be something else, but all of these are because it collapsed. They collapsed while playing their sports. High school football player suffers cardiac arrest during the game. September 2020, 2022. High school football player collapsed after game, needs open heart surgery. Now, they played and then collapsed after the game. Definitely fits as far as I'm concerned. Team football player Abraham Romero dies after brain bruise diagnosis. Say now that could they argue, well, it's because he got hit. But it says the team captain who played linebacker running back was airlifted after collapsing during the game. Bulgarian tennis player retires open match during Winston after experiencing dizziness and shortness of breath. Right, no, you could that could be not connected, but there's plenty of these people that have situations where they have to, and he stopped playing, so that completely counts. Astro Slugger uh, hospitalized after in-game fireworks exacerbate shortness of breath. You may think these are irrelevant, but they're not. Coaches save 17-year-old baseball player's life with CPR if he collapsed during practice. Practice counts too. 12-year-old Clayton Middle Schooler dies following youth practice due to severe medical emergency. Now think of what you know, uh, Dell Bigtree's point. Like this is we've never seen this kind of thing happen before. And I'll prove to you in a moment that I don't think it's because of COVID. High, Ohio State University student dies during a 102-mile bike ride for cancer research. Brighton High School student, this is all 2022, student faces tragedy after football player's sudden death. We regret to announce you the passing of the hockey player and the coach. Coach is 38 years old. Vigil held to remember beloved youth coach in Selena who suffered fatal heart attack. Michigan assistant Mike Hart in stable condition after collapsing on the sideline during Indiana game. High school student dies during flag football game. Pro wrestler Sarah Lee died at the age of 30. Justin Tabone, 22, tragically dies on the football pitch. Family and friends mourn sudden death of North Little Rock High School cheerleader. 2022, October. uh, Kenyon Evans wins New York Marathon after Brazilian runner Daniel Collapses while leading in the lead. Collapses. Hockey player dies suddenly, age 18. All these, every one of these are while in activity, while playing their sports. Dies of cardiac arrest. Buffalo Stampede hockey player Ben uh, Fike dies at 20. Cause of death explored. 22-year-old St. Ambrose University basketball player dies suddenly, November 2022. Ex-UFC star Anthony Johnson dead at 38 after battle with illness. Now, what's interesting about this one Oh, I thought I had it highlighted. Well, just all of these, you know, they, they they say battling illness. But when you get into the information, it's very, very ominous. Now, again, the point is just simply having this happen while they're dealing with activity. Tribute paid after sudden death of promising university basketball player, 21. Starkville Academy football player passes away at 16. Penguin star Chris Let- Latong suffers stroke. Now, stroke was another example. 
collapsing athletes is all we're talking about. Former UFC tight end Jake uh, Heescock dies suddenly at 25, quote, heartbroken, suffering cardiac arrest. And then here's just a general, I, I'm going to include this because this comes directly from, or to the uh, Nevada government. It's Nevada.gov right there. At least 69 athletes collapse in one month, many dead. Just all these reports, it's everywhere. Now, could these be not to the vaccine, related to the vaccine? Sure, of course that's possible. But the, these, the, what I just went over in just a quick, which is far more than 13, or any number they're claiming that they can find in a short period of time, I want to point out that these are just, I believe it was from July. Everything I just showed you was only from July 2022 forward. And that, guys, look at how many there are actually from. There are 327 examples on this website of athletes that have had blood clots, strokes, heart attacks, collapsed in general, had cardiac arrest, and many of them which died. All many, Most of them after, provably, the injection. Not, not saying we know for sure that it caused it. But 327, just since July 2022, the ones I just plucked out are all the ones that are in the United States that are specifically while in activity. Now, just think about how easy that is and all the information that's here. Every one of these are up for debate. And yet, going back to the discussion they just had, let's go back to their ridiculous article from The Atlantic. Oh, sorry, that's the wrong one. There we go. Oh, that is right. Okay, sorry, I had the wrong wrong page open. So, back to this in general. What they're ultimately saying, back to the claim, the claim that they made here, is that they found the study was from two years, rare condition, they found 13 medical deaths during only football-related activities in 2021. And the point is, you can see that it's so far past that in general. Now, they're only talking deaths and they're only talking football. Why would they do that? Because they want this to be isolated. The reality is, if we're talking about the concept of an injection causing this in athletes, why? why? Because we're only looking at DeMar Hamlin? It's a game they're playing. It's so willfully dishonest to not look into this correctly. Eight of which were caused by cardiac arrest. I mean, there's so many more of this. It may it, it's it's insulting to your intelligence. It says the mRNA shots by Pfizer Moderna are associated with a very small risk of heart inflammation. That's not true. It's simply not true. The facts are very evident. The risk of myocarditis is exponentially higher than they're telling you. This is the serious harms of COVID-19 vaccines. A systematic review, December seventh. This is on a preprint. This is 18 systematic reviews, along with 14 random controlled trials and 34 other studies with control groups. They found significantly more serious adverse events with the people who had vaccines than with the placebo. The point is the mRNA-based vaccines increased the risk of myocarditis with a mortality of about one to two per 200 cases. I mean, it's, it's incredible. The reality, though, is that they increase your risk specifically with myocarditis, it ends up being about one in 550 specifically when we're talking about, and that's general serious adverse events, which include that with Pfizer specifically, which can lead to cardiac arrest. Myocarditis can lead to cardiac arrest. So it's amazing they can pretend like that is not a possibility when they're literally telling you the injection can cause myocarditis and the myocarditis can cause cardiac arrest, but it's not the vaccine. We know for sure. 
I mean, this is why people are seeing through this today, even those that are, quote, on their side. It says most professional athletes are in their 20s, not teens. So the risk is to them is lower. But see, this is the game they play. Obviously, this is not just about teens. That has been disproven a long time ago. This risk may be a little elevated in certain areas of the younger age groups, but the risk of myocarditis is so damn high after these injections in every age group. They just pretend like, well, not 20, so therefore fake news, or rather not teens. Myocarditis, it says, is a potentially fatal condition, but the, ver- but the version of, of that occurs after vaccination <laughs> is much less deadly than the heart inflammation induced by many viruses, including SARS-CoV-2. Also not true in the, gen- way, the way they frame that. First of all, what do you mean the version? So the, the, the swelling of your heart is different in the, when it comes after whatever you're claiming is the virus versus with the injection? What a ridiculous argument. First of all, it's just simply not true. The facts are very clear in regard to how this is hurting you. Now, I'm going to read through this and we'll go through all the science to make it less disjointed. But these things are simply not true. They're downplaying the risk that we know is higher based on the peer-reviewed science. And then they're acting like somehow the version of myocarditis you get from this is just different. Not true. The mere fact that mRNA shots can lead to heart problems has been exploited by conservative commentators. Because that's all they know. There's only two kinds of people out there as far as these people are concerned. Nobody out here is honestly seeking the truth that challenges both sides. We don't exist to them, which I do think is the majority, and that's why they're scared. Conservative commentators and politicians to exaggerate the risks to young people. What's the benefit of that? I mean, ask yourself, what is the benefit of of pretending these things are dangerous? I mean, what they were going to pretend it's politics. Why? Because they, but people believe that. Well, why do people believe that? Because the damn evidence is obvious. Last month, per a news release, Florida Governor DeSantis promised to look into sudden deaths of individuals that received COVID vaccines. What a monster. But of course, because, you know, it's on Tucker, it's fake news. Because a Republican says it, it must be fake. That's the kind of childish mentality that people have. And it goes on both sides, by the way. And called for a grand jury to investigate alleged wrongdoing by the vaccine manufacturers. Yeah. Now, I don't trust that that's honest, to be quite clear. But why is that something you claim is like, it's almost as if they're they're defining the lines for you without them realizing it. So you're not allowed to investigate these groups? They're untouchables? Got it. Just because they think it's somehow blasphemous to how dare you investigate? You're creating vaccine hesitancy. Yeah, that's our point. You care more about scaring people away from doing the, the magic vaccine sauce than ultimately real investigation, even if you disagree with it. They're revealing themselves in real time. His petition to the Florida Supreme Court justified the investigation by pointing out that excess mortality from heart attacks rose significantly during the COVID-19 pandemic, especially among ages 25 to 44. Look at that. Challenges exactly what they just said about teens, doesn't it? Now, doesn't that seem valid? Yeah, we had an increase of excess death and heart attacks specifically during this time frame. Yeah, that's exactly the point. But here's what they say. Yet the rise in youth heart attacks I mentioned before, actually began in 2020. Okay, well, that's interesting. When you break this down itself, I'll I'll open this up so you guys can read it for yourselves. Actually, no, I think I've already gone over that. Yeah, this is interesting. If it'll load finally. Excess risk for acute myocardial infarction mortality during the COVID-19 pandemic. Now, what they're saying is, The rise in youth actually began in 2020, which I said before, comparatively between 2021 and especially 2022, you can look for yourself. 
Now, even if you want to pretend that there was an increase there, even though we do know that there were injections being given the entire year, these things are being tested on people. I mean, it, 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 to pretend like that won't also have an effect is kind of stupid. But the idea that it, that it had a rise, again, to use their argument, couldn't it have been pl- other things? Couldn't it have been there a spike in somewhere? It's certainly possible. Now, I'm not, I'm not going to assume into that because I don't know, like they would do in everything else they're talking about. But the point is you see a, a inc- an increase, which, by the way, has been increasing in general for a long time because of our unhealthy lifestyles, because of the Wi-Fi, the 5G, 4G kind of world that we're living in because of a corp- all sorts of other things that are causing heart problems, as in- including the GMOs and the additives and everything else we're doing to our bodies. The point is you've seen an increase in heart problems a long time now. But in 2021, it went through the roof. Perfectly correlated with the injections. How do you just deny that? Or rather not even mention it. And then even further in 2022. It says that's because increased cardiac fatalities during the pandemic have mostly been due to coronavirus. Okay, if that's the case, then why are you seeing more now than in 2020? There were more cases in 2020. Oops. (laughs) Logic doesn't seem to be their forte. But either way, they just go, well, because COVID. Well, that's it. COVID did it. We'll prove to you next. That's up in the air at the best. Heart disease deaths in the United States have been observed to rise and fall in near lockstep with waves of COVID deaths. Well, that's an interesting point. How about the fact that we can prove that many of the COVID deaths haven't been related to COVID at all, or rather just have a PCR test? And by the way, many of the ones that die from what you say are COVID verifiably have also gotten shots in their body. And by the way, that's most of them, because they're the ones telling you that most everybody's gotten shots in their body. So every one of these deaths they're calling COVID today, at some point, most likely had a shot in their body. Doesn't that matter? Shouldn't we factor in whether the injection caused part? Obviously. Now, even people that want to talk about COVID playing a factor will argue that you get you can have a, as even Gert Vandenbosch had said, it's the injection, no matter how you spin this, but people can still die from COVID, but it's the injection causing that. That may not be something they want to factor in right now because they're desperate to split this down the middle, but these injections are causing what they're calling COVID. And, and even if you want to say that is COVID, it's kind of irrelevant at this point. So if you're going to say it's in lockstep with COVID deaths, well, that's because COVID deaths are happening after people get injected because you call them COVID deaths. And there's plenty of examples of all these key things get conflated. But it says suggesting that most of the cases, 97%, according to this estimate, because we love their estimates, are the result of literally, they claim, undocumented SARS-CoV-2 infection. So in other words, the way you could read that is 97% of the people that they say are dying of COVID deaths haven't been proven to have COVID. Am I missing something? 97%, according to one estimate, are the result of undocumented COVID infections. Okay, so then you don't know if they had COVID. Couldn't it have been something else? Yeah, that's a that's a huge jump there, don't you think? The bottom line is, these are rising and falling, which with, with seemingly what they just admitted to, the injections. I think that's easily provable. He has encouraged the use of the ineffective therapy such as, oh, this is just a funny point on the side. This Joseph Lopato is, how dare he suggest things that are ineffective like hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin. There's a new round of the, look at what, they just added it to the CDC schedule. That's been there for a while, guys. We always get these re, you know, breaking news. Look, at, I can't believe they just added it. No, it's been, it's been they, they have it on the, investiga- the, the investigation side of that page for, what, a year and a half now? It's not new, but they, it's it's there, and it is being they claim is being investigated. The point is, you don't need the CDC's halfway garbage. There is plenty of peer reviewed science that has shown you ivermectin in particular has 
amazing effects in regard to COVID. Not my opinion, but peer-reviewed science has found over and over and over, including a Japan study that recently found antiviral activities, blah, blah, blah. The point is, even the Atlantic is still going, ineffective therapies like the things science has proven are effective. Classic. Way to be objective, journalism. The COVID vaccines are among the most widely used. Don't you love this argument? So we know that they're willfully hiding from all these things. You know, myocarditis was fake news as we were proving it, even though we now know it's true. But the point is, they're going to say, but look how many have been given. Isn't that proof it's effective? Well, no, that's a fallacy, especially when you're going out of your way to not acknowledge what's happening. It's just such a game they play. More than 13 billion doses have been administered. Yeah, that's why we're seeing what we're seeing, in my opinion, at least 1 billion of which relied on mRNA technology. In analyzing this trove of real-world data, researchers have occasionally identified potential safety issues. <laughs> occasionally. It's a gigantic list. They don't want you to tell the, the list even the CDC just acknowledged. A, per, a lack of perfect consistency across their studies is expected. It's interesting and only confirms that the scientific dialogue about this has been transparent. <laughs> I mean, think about the logic or lack thereof in that statement. So these scientific studies are not consistent. Which, I mean, again, I, you could argue that can be expected because almost, almost you would want that to see that people are, you know, finding their own things and you can compare them and come to your own conclusion. But to argue that simply because the studies are not consistent, which it, it could also mean a bad thing, by the way. It could also mean people are lying or manipulating science or outcomes of the data. But to simply argue that because it's inconsistent, therefore we can prove it's been transparent. I mean, that doesn't even make sense. That this literally is a leap of logic to just make you think that, yeah, we've been transparent. Can't you tell? Despite how many times they've been caught lying, how many times they've been proven to have downplayed the statistics or used faulty information from different times of the year or the FDA gets caught doing things they shouldn't. Yeah, but totally transparent. Give us 76 years to release it, though. Like, these people are proving themselves to be liars. It's so sad. Scientists know that findings made outside a clinical trial are prone to spurious associations. So they examine how well each analysis has been performed and interpret it in the context of prior research. Well, that's what we're doing. It's clearly not what they're doing, seeing as how they're ignoring all the scientific studies that they don't agree with. I just, it's, it's, it's very apparent how they're projecting what they're constantly doing onto what they claim conspiracy theorists are doing. Cherry picking, ignoring science. Well, no, we're happily looking at all of it, which I'll make clear in a moment. Vaccine skeptics prefer to cherry pick supportive studies while ignoring others that contradict them. It's exactly what they're doing right now literally provably what they're doing a careful resuscitation of facts can take only one only so far in combating anti-vaccine claims got it so when you have a claim or rather i'm here here's a scientific study showing you that you're wrong they're saying well just reciting what you're supposed to say can only take you so far yeah that's that's true activists use ambiguous anecdotes such as hamlin's cardiac arrest it's not really an ambiguous anecdote is it he collapsed on the field in real time, which is unprecedented in many ways. But no, it's an anecdote. And the sudden death of soccer journalist Grant Wall during last month's World Cup to make the alleged risks of the shots more visceral. So what they're saying is you're pointing to examples of unexplained collapses and saying that that's unjustified to go, could it be? The, I mean, just think of what the reach is there. This screams desperation. It screams they're well aware that there's plenty of evidence to suggest at the very least that it's possible. But what they're saying is, well, you can only yell at them so much and say fact, fact, fact when all you're doing is yelling narrative. The point here is that we can prove to you that this is an overlapping, whether it's Grant Wall, who was very clearly injected and went to the World Cup and then died as long, along with another journalist, 
or Hamlin's case, where it's obviously the overlap of possible cardiac arrest due to myocarditis due to the injection. It's a very clear scientific connection. They just don't want to talk about it. So let's go through this. Starting with Dr. Peter McCullough's point in regard to the recent paper from Dr. Pauli Cretus and himself gets the sharp rise in athlete death into PubMed. Since vaccination, 1,598 athletes have suffered cardiac arrest. 1,598. You can see it right here. From January 2021 to the time of writing, 1,598 athletes have suffered cardiac arrest. He also goes on to say that since the end of 2021 and through 2022, young age, ex- young age excess mortality has substantially increased. And think about the absurdity of going out of your way to deny the possible connection while acting like it doesn't matter that we have unprecedented almost ever, I guess that's what it means, of excess death. So we don't know what causes that, but you're definitely lying about this. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's again, screams desperation. And here's a clip again of Dr. McCullough discussing the adrenaline spike and how that clearly overlaps. Now, here is the Defender's article. What caused DeMar Hamlin's cardiac arrest? Experts weigh in. Now, this is one part from Dr. Peter McCullough. He says he believes there's a public health obligation to disclose what happened. He said this is a player who was employed by a team and a team that the league mandated the vaccine very publicly. So it's, it's obviously it's clear that he's taken this as far as we can tell based on the, the vaccine uptake of the team and the fact that NFL in general, I think, is 90, almost 95 percent. It says, so we have a situation where we have a public figure. The public employer mandates the vaccine in a very public manner. There's a disclosure that 95 percent of the players have taken the vaccine and that the FDA says the vaccine causes myocarditis and that the peer, published peer reviewed literature says that it can be fatal. All this is clear based on even what the CDC has admitted. No matter how rare they want to say it is, that is something that could have happened. We all know that. It's amazing for them to pretend it's not possible. This is not a time for privacy, McCullough says. The public needs to know the diagnosis because he was under one of those mandates, and this happens on the national and world stage. He also said, now in professional athletes, many of the causes of primary cardiac arrest for a man his age have already been ruled out because the athletes are so heavily evaluated and scrutinized before they're ready to play. Quote, so the leading cause of an athlete having a cardiac arrest on the field is hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. And that is a memorable thickness of the heart. He says, I think that what is looming large and the reason why there is so much emotion, the elephant in the room is that no one could bring it up until he brought it up on TV, the COVID-19 injection. Now, this goes on to quote, uh, he says, he cited increased evidence that vaccines can cause this heart damage. He says two papers that, that uh, I think one of them we're going to discuss today, have given us a point estimate of about 2.5% of people sustain heart damage when they take the vaccine. Now, that may sa- not sound like a lot, but understand we're talking about 0.2% fatality rate in regard to the like flu discussion, right? Or rather what we're talking about in the real risk of, co- of what we're saying is COVID-19. Under 19 is 0.0003%. Overall, I believe it was 0.07, if I remember correctly global fake infection so way less than we ever told but when you have 2.5 percent i believe it's more than that by the way of people that sustain heart damage after the injection think about the billions of people we're talking about 2.5 percent is a lot of people way too high to be allowed like under any other guys previously that would have been enough even under the uh, estimation to pull this thing but it says in more than half of the of heart damage cases there are no initial symptoms Right. That's that's what we just played from Dr. Uh, Malone, that we had these are underlying symptoms you don't get to outwardly see unless you look for it. So you wouldn't know until they suddenly collapse in the field. 
Now, the point being is those symptoms being so subtle wouldn't have caused a collapse without some kind of catalyst, as I understand it. Now, it says a scar is formed in the heart. The scar is readily identified by MRI, and that scar becomes the setup for an abnormal electrical rhythm that circulates around the scar. It's called ventricular tachy, tach, uh, tach, uh, I thought that was the other way around. Tachycardia. Wasn't it tachycardia? Tachycardia. And then it denigrates, de uh, de uh, degenerates, excuse me, into ventricular fibril fibrillation, causing a sudden adult death syndrome, which is just sad, meaning we don't know, right? But now we, the point is, this is one of the reasons these things are unexplained, sudden adult death because of things like this. This is the leading thinking of what happens with athletes on the field. That's not just Peter McCullough's opinion. That's what the leading thinking. And it's being disregarded by all the supposed mainstream government level experts. I wonder why. Now, to be clear, even, even non-serious levels of myocarditis over a long period of time can eventually potentially become fatal. To, to clarify my statement before, in this case, in this moment, it wouldn't arguably, based on these lower symptoms, be something that we understand would be immediate to cause a problem unless you gave something, your body something that caused this to exponentially get worse in a short period of time. Now, one of these experts says, this is uh, Dr. Sanjay Verma, an intervention, vention, uh, interventional cardiologist, wrote that it was nearly impossible to cause commotio cordis with a shoulder pad hit to the chest which appeared to be the case because shoulder pads are designed to precisely absorb that shock. Verma uh, said, we don't have to be equivocal and say it probably wasn't commotio cordis. I can say as the expert with a hundred percent scientific and clinical confidence that such a scenario, right shoulder pad hitting left uh, uh, precordium, precordium, as I saw in multiple replays is virtually impossible and cannot be de deduced conclusively the night of the incident, as many of these so-called experts did. This has never before occurred in 103 years of NFL. Think about that. But they want you to believe this just happened. Certainly possible. Anything's possible. But not when you, but when you have all the evidence pointing in one direction, you don't just ignore that and go in the less statistically possible direction. Verma reported that there is an increased risk of sudden cardiac death with aerobic activity for six months following myocarditis, however it's caused. So that means when you get the injection and cause myocarditis to develop, and maybe you don't know that, well, when you go out and run to high-level performance, and God knows what else they're putting in their body, that then you're putting yourself at severe risk. And it says, which is why current professional society guidelines recommend restriction from competitive sports for six months, after myocarditis diagnosis. So now we're giving, we're forcing these people, they are forcing these high-level athletes to take these injections, which they admit causes myocarditis. Then when something happens, refusing to ask whether that was the thing, knowing that that thing could be exactly causing what we're talking about. I mean, think about the willful ignorance there. The risk of death can persist for 12 years, he said. So you take the injection, and according to this expert, that, or rather specifically you take the injection and then it causes myocarditis, that exact risk he's talking about can persist for 12 years. My God. Now it says a 2021 paper in the European Heart Journal that reported on two cases in which rugby players suffered severe heart rhythm disturbances following blunt chest trauma. In both cases, the athletes had histories of myocarditis that appeared to have caused or bit worsened the arrhythmias. In one case, the myocarditis was undiagnosed and the player died. 
So we know that people can have other pre-existing problems that the even caused myocarditis can then exacerbate. I mean, guys, this is clinically obvious as being a possibility. So going to one of the first studies. Now, this is important. This is in regard to, and th these studies are scathing, guys. Now, for those that only want the scientific research, now is where you want to tune in. This part to the pretty much the end is all peer-reviewed science, or rather peer-reviewed in some preprints, showing you some pretty scathing information that they just pretend, <clears throat> excuse me, just pretend isn't there. Now, I'm, I'm, I forgot that I was going to, actually completely forgot. <laughs> I was going to look this up real quick. Hold on. Just how to pronounce this. Let's see. Is there somewhere where I'm going to hear it? Let's see. Oh, there it is. Catecholamine. Catecholamine. Sounds easier than it looks. Catecholamine. I'm going to forget. Watch. Catecholamine. Okay. Catecholamines are the key trigger of COVID-19 mRNA vaccine-induced myocarditis. This is a peer-reviewed National Library of Medicine study. A compelling hypothesis supported by epidemiological and anatomopathological molecular and physiological findings. Catecholamines. Got it. <laughs> now, important to see here, guys. This is what I... just The important part's actually the bottom, but look what it says right here. Myocarditis. A known major cause of sudden death in young male athletes. Again, this is casually list. This is known. But think about how absurd it is to admit this thing can cause myocarditis and then pretend like it can't be the cause of sudden death in young adults, even though before COVID, myocarditis was a major known cause of sudden death in young adults, or excuse me, young athletes. I mean, come on. This is such an obvious childish sidestep to ignore what was pre this is like saying that ukraine's full of nazis up until trump february 24th and then february 25th it's completely misunderstood and you don't know what you're talking about you can't just shift narratives on a dime and expect people to think you're honest that's why i think everybody sees through this so it's clear myocarditis is a known cause of sudden death in adults a major cause so that's the reality here and yet they're going to ignore this now this is where the study gets important SARS-CoV-2 mRNA vaccine-induced myocarditis primarily affected young males, while the risk was not observed following COVID-19 infection. That's important, isn't it? Because we're going to hear a lot of this argument about how that's caused, but, you know, COVID-19 is more severe. And that's, as far as I'm concerned, that's not true. Not, be, only, not, not only because we have peer-reviewed science, which I'll show you again next, and this one, that make that argument that they didn't find any overlap in huge studies, but even the study that they're currently pointing to, the most recent one, there's you'll find plenty of examples of, you know, like this is how we, the, when you're talking about cherry picking, right? We're sitting here showing you peer-reviewed science. Weirdly, that they, weird, they don't point at these. Talk about cherry picking and same point, except then they pluck something out and make it clear. And but overall, you'll find out that, that the study they're showing you is not peer-reviewed, is on a preprint, is a observational study, or blah, blah, blah. And they don't point those things out. But yet, of course, they, they, we're cherry-picking, we're hiding facts when we look at all of it, which I'll show you next, and specifically showing you peer-reviewed studies. Like, you're not going to see this study, or this one, for example, or whichever one I was going to show you next. You're not going to see these studies, this one, peer-reviewed, on the corporate media discussion. You know why? Because it literally tells you that there's no association. Now, we're honest enough to show you the other studies they're showing and go over that too. But just think how obvious that is. You're not going to see them relay to you information that challenges what they're telling you. 
Now, go, going forward again, it says that these COVID-19 injections, primarily or rather induced myocarditis because of it, primarily affected young males. While the risk was not observed after COVID-19 infection, independent autopsies or biopsies of patients who presented post SARS-CoV-2 mRNA vaccine myocarditis in different geographical regions enabled the conclusion that a primary hypercatecholamine oh, I knew it catecholamine catecholamine in a hypercatecholaminergic state <laughs> that was the key trigger of these events. SARS-CoV-2 mRNA was densely present and SARS-CoV-2 spike protein was progressively produced in adrenal medulla chromophin cells. This is what Dr. Peter McCullough was talking about, right? The idea, oops, that's not what I wanted, this one. That he's talking about the adrenaline part of this. Oh, and just so you know, uh, catecholamine is any of various uh, uh, amines such as uh, ephenophrine, I can't pronounce that one either, (laughs) ephenophrine, no finephrine and dopamine, that one for we're all familiar with, that function as hormones and neurotransmitters, just to make it more clear. Catecholamine. Catecholamine. So, now it goes forward to say, the very hard to say word here, dihydroxophalalanine. Uh, <laughs> not a good try. These, these are the, this is not the important part of it, though, but these, these, just the enzymes we're discussing here that convert dopamine into the noradrenaline was overexpressed in the presence of SARS-CoV-2 mRNA. The key point being specifically the, uh, the catecholamines and the adrenaline conversation about why this is present specifically with the mRNA. And that's exactly what Dr. Peter McCall is pointing at and saying that this is what we're seeing, which causes this to happen. I mean, it's just amazing how, how quickly they run from these things. It says leading to enhanced noradrenaline activity. Catecholamine responses were physiologically higher in young adults and males than in other populations, which may arguably explain why you they say it's higher in this one category. Catecholamine responses and resting catecholamine production were higher in male athletes than in non-athletes. Another interesting, it's another reason this seems more likely to be vaccine-induced because of the level of athletic activity. Catecholamine responses to stress and its sensitivity were enhanced in the presence of androgenes, androgenes, which are a male sex hormone, testosterone, another example of what can happen while you're exerting physical activity. And catecholamines expression in young male athletes were ha- already high at baseline and were higher following vaccination. I mean, this is impossible to ignore. Higher, it says, it says uh, higher than those in non-vaccinated athletes. So very clearly finding that the difference was the injection and that that is very clearly associated with exactly what we're talking about. Myocarditis and this exact kind of cardiac arrest. The epidemiological autopsy, molecular and physiological findings unanimously and strongly suggest that a hyper catecholaminergic, how do you say that one? Catecholaminergic, catecholaminergic state is the clinical trigger of a, the rare cases of myocarditis due to components from SARS-CoV-2, potentially increasing sudden death among elite male athletes. And there's, when they say components, they're talking about the spike protein in the injection. It's undeniable. That's a new one. Now, here is Dr. Maholtra making it also clear that sudden a cardiac death risk 
in contact sports is increased by myocarditis. Right, so this is piecing together the point. So if we know that this is causing specifically vaccine-induced myocarditis, and this is one of the clear mechanisms by which it's happening, but I know there's more than this, we're now showing you that, that, that specifically having myocarditis induced by the vaccine then dramatically increases your risk of sudden death, exactly sudden cardiac death risk. Here's the studies pointing at. Sudden cardiac death risk in contact sports increased by myocarditis. It's very simple. You see, there's no denying that connection. Okay, then we know that in numerous studies, including the one I just pointed at, that they argue this is a gigantic Israeli study, population-based. We know that, again, Pfizer almost entirely, and they called it Pfizer's lab. I mean, you don't, you, you, it's hard to get better data in this case in regard to the injection than you get from Israel because of that. Not because of the, I mean, the Israel government could manipulate it like anybody else, but all, assuming it's all honest, which you should never do, you'll get the best data from that location because of the way that they allowed their study their population to be tested on more so than anybody would see. But what did they find? April, 2022 post COVID infection was not associated with either myocarditis or pericarditis. We did not observe an increased incidence of either of them in adult patients recovering from COVID-19. Now you could argue that that's a caveat. The point is that this is pretty clear. Now you can't just pretend like that doesn't exist because it challenges your narrative. See, now what we're willing to do, because we're honest, is show you the other side of this argument. And this is the primary one that's being circulated right now. Risk of myocarditis after sequential doses of COVID-19 vaccine and SARS-CoV-2 infection by age and sex. This is August 2022. Now, the main point to me, well, the couple main points are, first of all, a self-controlled case series study of people's aged 13 years or older vaccinated for COVID-19 in England between December 1st, 2020 and December 15, 2022. Which is interesting because I argue that at the very least you're 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 starting at a point where you're guaranteeing that a huge portion of the population is going to be unvaccinated for a long period of that. Now, I, I don't know exactly. The point is that's not the, if you're going to do this, it needs to be based around a more consistent. I argue that's not even the main point. But they often do this where they overlap it with an area where you it doesn't seem to be the ideal situation, knowing that more are vaccinated or not, and vice versa. The results are forty two million eight hundred forty two thousand three hundred forty five people received at least one dose of vaccine. They say for twenty one million two hundred forty one thousand six hundred twenty nine of which received three doses. And 5,934,153 of them had SARS-CoV-2 infection before or after vaccination. Okay, so you're already seeing where I'm going with this. Myocarditis occurred in 2,861 people with 617 events, 1 to 28 days after vaccination. Okay, so the point is, guys, almost every single one of these people, whether or not they decide that it's due to the infection, had at some point already been injected. I mean, that's just ridiculous to me. If you these people have injections in their body, you can't then claim that it was because of the infection, seeing as how that the, the, the overall point is that the injection itself specifically increases dramatically the risk of myocarditis. So it just seems ridiculous then to ignore that risk, which you've, all, by the way, already argued in previous, not the study and the authors, but the government and CDC argued that there is an increased risk and then not factor that in when you get an injection and then maybe a year later get COVID-19 they claim and then say you get myocarditis. I mean, it's just, it seems ridiculous. But it says in men younger than 40 years old, the number of excess myocarditis events per million people was higher after a second dose of mRNA 
than after a positive SARS-CoV-2 test. <laughs> okay, do you hear that? In women younger than 40 years, the number of excess events per million was smaller after a second dose and a positive test. So inside this argument, there are little groupings of people that do indeed have a higher risk of myocarditis because of the injection than COVID-19. And yet this still gets parroted by people as, see, it's causing more myocarditis because they take one part of it. That's called cherry picking. Overall, says the risk of myocarditis is greater after SARS-CoV-2 infection than after COVID-19 vaccination. I disagree with that for, and because of other studies that contradict this, because of the way the study was set up, because they're not factoring in that many of the people that they claim got it because of the infection were already vaccinated. But on top of that, because of a lot of other reasons we've already gone over, but then it says, and remains modest after sequential doses, including a booster dose. But guess what? In the conclusion itself, the part they don't want you to look at. However, the risk of myocarditis after vaccination is higher in younger men, particularly after a second dose of mRNA. So it's not greater than if you're a young man and have two doses. <laughs> so, so pretty much everybody. Like, it's just absurd the way that they try to make this, say what they, they just take this first part of it and say, see, we told you. Which shows you that even the corporate media clearly are not reading the studies they tell you that they're looking at. But this person makes a great point as well. Tyler Hagen says, if your conflict of interest section, which, <laughs> which it is, it's gigantic, or not this one, uh, where was it, down at the bottom. Uh, I'll show you on the picture says that if your conflict of interest section causes me to use 75% text just to fit it on a screenshot, I'm not proceeding to the abstract, which I disagree with. You should obviously always read everything, come to your own conclusions. But good point, though. Data collection requires ethics, which don't exist with conflicts of interest this magnitude. That's a great point. I mean, just take a look for yourself. Aligned with specifically all sorts of groups that are wildly compromised throughout this entire process. Specifically groups like Sage, Nerve Tag. Groups that have obvious influence or, or rather are, in, are, are themselves influenced by politics and by government action. So it's just kind of silly to pretend like that's not going to influence their science. Either way, read it for yourself. But all that said and done, here's a study that's completely far more sound. Random controlled trial, peer-reviewed study that completely finds the opposite. Why don't they show you that one too? It's a good question. Well, here's the one we showed you a moment ago, December 7th, peer-reviewed, or excuse me, uh, preprint. A systematic review that goes over the 18 systematic reviews, which means each one of those is doing this and going over a gigantic grouping of studies and coming to those conclusions. They took 14 individual random controlled trials and 34 other studies that just had a control group. All of that, it found significantly more severe adverse events of special interest, which includes myocarditis and all sorts of things, death, heart attacks, hospitalization with the vaccines than the placebo. I mean, it's, so bottom line, your injections are far more dangerous for you than anything else. And that's including, by the way, the risk of myocarditis, or excuse me, of COVID-19, according to the new Ionitis group that shows you very clearly it's always been less than the flu. That's new. That's now been peer-reviewed. They just aren't telling you this stuff. But the point is the mRNA-based vaccines increase your risk of myocarditis, which then we know can very clearly lead to sudden cardiac death, especially with high-level athletics, with a mortality a mortality of one to two per 200 cases. So the point is that all these people that are getting myocarditis, they're acting like, ah, it's my health, doesn't matter. Well, if they, this is, by the way, the study we found from NIH said about 25 to 56% increase in mortality over the next possible 10 years. This study is making it more specific and saying one to two deaths per 200 cases of myocarditis. So when we now realize that myocarditis is being seen in about one in 550 people, that take these injections, 
Think about what that shows you. One to two of every 200 of those cases, so four per that data, is are going to die according to this study, peer-reviewed. Or no, this one, this is the preprint, excuse me. Then it says serious and severe harms of COVID-19 vaccines have been ignored or downplayed and sometimes have been deliberately excluded by the study sponsors in high-impact medical journals. We all see this. And here's that point I was just making. The Pfizer trial exhibited a 36% higher risk of serious adverse events in the vaccine group. Now, this is crazy because this is a re-evaluation of specifically their phase three trial. Are, you, are we really going to pretend that Pfizer and Moderna just got it wrong? We already know, thanks to Brooke Jackson, that they lied about this stuff, guys. They knowingly lied. I'm going to bring that up for you guys so you can have that, that interview. First, first platform on the, in existence that interviewed Brooke Jackson all the way back years ago, long before it was a, co- a big, big, dis- big discussion, and it was proved then. In my opinion, it was provable because of the data she provided. And thank God more people have given her the time and brought her on the larger shows, and it finally broke out. The reality is it was there from the beginning, and it's, it's important. We, we interviewed her twice, actually. December 2nd, 2021 was the first one. And then we again on February 11th. The point is, in the phase three trial itself, after review, you know, after being lied to by Pfizer and Moderna, because they found, oh, it was safe and effective and it helps everybody. How can that be what they found when this is what the reevaluation found? Guys, this is peer reviewed on Science Direct. Serious adverse events of special interest following mRNA COVID-19 vaccination in random trials. 36% 36% higher adverse events in the vaccine group. Then it says the risk difference, 18 per 10,000. That is your number. I think it's one out of 555. It's obscene. They just don't want you to know this. Brooke Jackson made it very clear that they were hiding information, running from the data. Now, we also have the study that's being talked about in regard to how this is working specifically, not just with just the the general situation of the body, but rather that we also have the problem of antibodies being created, the antibody-dependent enhancement aspect of this, that are also then causing these problems. As Dr. Doug Corrigan points out, the new study by Harvard Medical and General Hospital says they, quote, elevated levels, we'll show you the studies next, of full-length spike protein unbound by antibodies were detected in the plasma of individuals with post-vaccine myocarditis, whereas no free spike was detected in asymptomatic vaccine control subjects, right? So the point is that these people, so bottom line, if they get the injection and get myocarditis, they're finding antibodies or rather spike proteins that are not being bound by the antibodies like they're supposed to be. I argue, one, that's because these things aren't the correct antibodies being produced in many cases, but also that you have so much circulating that this continues to circulate, which then leads to these problems. I'll, I'll go forward. It says, it is notable that Spike, which remained intact by evading cleavage and clearance, was associated with myocarditis in this cohort. You know, the very thing they're putting in your body. Whether the circulating Spike protein in the setting of mRNA vaccination was pathogenic is unclear. Now, he's being very specific, which I appreciate the objectivity, but let's not forget the Salk Institute and plenty of other high-level outlets and plat- or scientific journals have made it very clear that the spike protein by itself, whether, whether in COVID or in the injection, is cytotoxic. It is dangerous and can cause disease by itself. But what he's saying is whether the circulating spike protein that they've found 
in the setting of this injection is pathogenic is unclear. In post-vaccine myocarditis, the spike protein appears to evade antibody recognition because the anti-spike antibodies that are generated are produced in inadequate in, uh, in quantities with normal functional and neutralization capacity. There is growing in vitro evidence that spike itself can simulate cardiac parasites dysfunction or inflame the endothelium potentially by downregulating angiotensin converting enzyme to expression by impairing endothelial nitric oxide bioavailability. So the spike protein itself can simulate some of these problems, which is the whole point. And that's whether or not is COVID or the injection. Then it says, or by activating integrin mediated inflammation with hyperpermeability of the endothelial cell layer. Thus, the spike antigen itself, which evades antibody recognition rather than invoking immune hyperactivity, may contribute to myocarditis in these individuals. Exactly. Here's the study right here. We'll show you that in a moment. Then he goes on to say that the uh, it's also important to note that circulating spike protein was indeed detected in copious amounts in the asymptomatic vaccine controls right? The ones that don't receive it. However, the spike protein was predominantly bound to antibodies and thus it wasn't considered free. The implication is that exposing the spike protein in free form imparts its toxicity. So I would argue that means the injection and the spike protein production is like the worst thing you can do. However, antibody bound spike could also be pathogenic due to large immune complexes forming in the blood, which can cause clotting and inflammation. Sure sounds like what we're talking about. A study I'm not going to get into today, which you can read is right there in that, in that regard. Also, it's notable that there is a group of people who express antibodies, but the antibodies don't recognize or bind the full length spike. Right. Because they're taking they're producing antibodies that are not appropriate. That's my opinion, based on the science. These adolescents uh, with myocarditis all had functional spike antibodies. So, again, there's there's other mechanisms causing this thing to happen than just this one thing. But the point is they had functional spike antibodies, but still had myocarditis and still had problems which implies that the spike protein in these adolescents is more than likely misfolding or subjected to a different cadre of post-translational modifications or different amino acid substitutions due to the flow, the low fidelity of the mRNA, read or a combination of the above. The timing differences of expression of spike versus antibodies may also lead to differences in mRNA toxicity across different people. That's interesting. And in the same person over time, also very interesting. For example, if antibody levels fall faster than spike levels, then cardiotoxicity may appear later. That's very interesting with these waning injections. Sure as hell still producing spike protein, but you're slowly not producing the, the antibodies, so that seems to be another example of how it can lead to the same thing. To be clear, he says, in both groups, symptomatic and asymptomatic, this is full-length spike protein that is being expressed from the presence of the mRNA in the jab. This has nothing to do with COVID infection. That's important. They studied symptoms and spike protein associated solely with the jab. So everything you just talked about. How clear is this? Here is Dr. Mubin, who I wanted to play really quickly on two quick parts that I think are important. Talking about the days in which this was found, and then one other part specifically about his theory on this. Now, this is 1337. Let's take a look real quick. So the other thing that was interesting for me, the curiosity was that when did they take the, the blood sample? The same day, the second day, the third. So within a 
and so you, so we're clear we're talking about the same study we were just looking at and I'll, and I'll and I'll go I'll show you the conclusion of that study next but the same point about about the 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 overarching discussion of circulating spike protein in post covid-19 vaccinated myocarditis rather specifically caused by the vaccine 11 days i believe of so the other thing that was interesting for me the curiosity was that when did they take the the blood sample the same day the second day the third so within 11 days i believe of the vaccination think about that and they found this spike think about that really quickly and how important that is i actually closed this i forgot why i had this open and now i remember <laughs> the important point that's being made here bring this back to the screen real quick which is if we're talking about 11 days, right? So they're taking blood samples of 11 days after the injection and saying that this is what we're finding. I don't know why it's taking so long to load, but finding very clearly that we're seeing high levels of all the things he just discussed, the antibodies, the spike protein, all this stuff, right? And yet what's the thing we're told? I don't know why this is taking so long to load about the time frame. Well, anything that happens within the first 14 days doesn't count. Even though, which I, if, if I guess if this ever loads, I'll show you again. We know that the vast majority of what happens, cases, hospitalizations, and death happen within the first 14 to 21 days. Over 80% of each. Undeniable. That's why almost all of them have this weird, unscientific time frame that they just dump into unvaccinated. I really don't know why sometimes these things don't work. Let's do this. I'll just try it again. Oh, it doesn't want to load. That's interesting. Maybe they're finally attacking this page. So I've been using it for a long time. Well, here, I'll do this one first. Oh, there it goes. Or it looked like it was. (laughs) Come on, damn it. There we go. Okay. So main point, as usual, that under 14 days. <laughs> Finally, okay. Cases, hospitalizations, deaths. The whole point, as usual, is that they're considered unvaccinated or just diagnosed within the first two weeks. That's obvious, right? We know that's happening everywhere. They have some statement they give you for that, but it's unscientific. There's no real logic behind why somebody who dies 30 seconds after the jab wouldn't be like, could it be the jab? Nope, happened in 14 days, so it couldn't have been. That's ridiculous. But the point, again, is that Alberta put this out and then removed this because I think they realized what they were showing, which is that you can see the spike in cases all dramatically within the first 20 days, the spike in hospitalizations all dramatically within the first 20 days, same with the death dramatically within the first 14. Dramatically. So he's telling you right here that 11 days is when they took these samples and they found all of this stuff. The point is, they know. Why would they have tested in 11 days if their argument is nothing matters in the first 14? Because they know. They know that this is happening. I find that to be very important. To stay in the very interesting study. So the other thing that was interesting for me, the curiosity was that when did they take the, the blood sample? the same day, the second day, the third. So within 11 days, I believe, of the vaccination. So that means they've got circulating spike protein, which by the way, we already know because there's other scientific peer-reviewed studies that have shown you that, but they still deny that. 
They still some places still stupidly act like it only goes in your shoulder. Like if you can still believe that they're on that level. Eleven days, this is already being found. And they found this spike to stay in the blood for three weeks at least. Wow. S one three week bound to antibodies and free spike three weeks. That tells me that and that's the study time frame. Understand that we've shown evidence of that going long past three weeks including the fact that the mRNA never seems to leave, which, by the way, has the ability to instruct your body to make spike protein. So it kind of just seems like a never-ending process. If there is a possibility of spike-related myocarditis, that I've discussed the mechanism before, then a younger person, but more prominently, so girl or boy, but more prominently or dominantly boy, after the vaccine must be careful for at least three weeks or more to make sure that they are healthy and their heart is not in jeopardy. I want to connect that to this Thailand study, this study, which showed that this was a school-going age children, 13 to 18 years, who received this uh, vaccine, and they sh- they saw that these children had, some of them had subclinical myocarditis. So if you see here, cardiovascular effects were found in 29.24% of the patients, ranging from tachycardia, palpitations, myopericarditis. This is important again. 30%. I mean, my God, like that, 29.24%. That's just the first part, but that... Um, that, act like as if that's not catastrophic. 30% of the kids got my, got subclinical myocarditis or some form of heart issue. I, it's, it's disgusting. For our discussion, myopericarditis was confirmed in one patient after vaccination. Two patients had suspected pericarditis and four patients had suspected subclinical myocarditis. Con- Just to clarify, it's specifically cardiovascular effects. Not necessarily myocarditis, but the point being that he's talking about things that are affecting your heart in 30%. Tachy- tachycardia, palpitations, my- and myopericarditis. That's included in that 30%. It's listed right there. Inclusion, cardiovascular effects in adolescent after BioNTech mRNA vaccine included tachycardia, palpitation, and myocarditis. The reason... I'm talking about myocarditis. And then they said this was subclinical. The vaccination was, the symptoms were mild and they all recovered within 14 days. I would then remind you of the uh, children's hospital study here in US where they found that even up to five months or eight months, the remnant uh, of the, the imaging abnormality for the myocarditis was observable in children. Exactly. And what's pro- the problem is they're so desperate to act like it's not happening that they just ignore that. That's called cherry picking, right? You're going to pretend like, no, it goes away 14 days because this is that's nice. It sounds better. But when you have a study that shows they found evidence of it going eight, what did it say, eight weeks or uh, was it weeks? Hospital study here in U.S. where they found that even up to five months or eight months, not weeks. That, I'm glad I checked eight months later finding exactly it's just that is evidence that it's still there. And we know that that could eventually when if you're running in high level activity, that it could cause exactly what we're talking about. 
Now, the other part I want to play from his video, 2442. Differential diagnosis. So what more can be added to this? And this is where my first point, I think we, the medical community, will have to add cardiac inflammation either because of spike protein after vaccine or infection or autoimmune antibodies. There are tons of studies that show autoimmune antibodies as well. This study that I showed you kind of says that there were no antibodies, but there are other studies that show it. So autoimmune inflammation of the heart because of vaccine or infection. So this will have to become added to myocarditis. So here, underlying ischemic or inflamed condition, increasing vulnerability. Right. In this point, any vaccine-related inflammation will be a possibility. But what he's basically saying is there's a level of this they're choosing to ignore, kind of what Dr. McColl is talking about, that you can have the pre-existing or nothing, but the point is that they can be in a position where the injection caused a level that may not have been picked up on that put them in a position that increased dramatically their risk if put in the right conditions to cause what we're seeing. But because they just don't want to go back and connect that, like just say, well, there, you, you, the injection didn't cause this, this horrific situation. Well, maybe not directly. In some cases it does. But if you took the injection, which causes what he's talking about, and then a month later you go out and run a mile and collapse and die, they're not going to connect that. But he's saying that needs to be added in regard to one of these precursors. So it will be actually incorrect of us to simply say any athlete falling will just be commotion cardiac and that's it, or obstructive, um, you know, cardiomyopathy. And I don't know if you're aware that commotion cardiac-like situations are usually diagnosed at autopsies after ruling out other reasons. Mm-hmm. But in this case, they all jumped out of the way to be the first one to scream that you don't know what you're talking about because it's this thing before we ever got the facts. They're not diagnosed like this, that it must be commotion cardiac and here is the diagnosis. So underlying cardiac inflammation is important. How much damage to the heart is also important. Now, it's also the case where these things could be there from before, right? And then the, it still needs to be discussed that the injection only worsened that problem. But you could still argue that maybe it would have happened anyway. But you have to, we have to, we can no longer allow the conversation to skip over the obvious culprit. It's playing a factor in any case, right? I mean, it's, you're taking something that causes these things to be worsened, to inflame, and then pretending like that just not included. It's just basic scientific connection here. And that's why there's people like, there's so many people that are coming out now and making this very clear. So in my opinion, vaccine-related inflammation, and this one, this study just came out, and this is not a study from some um, less important um, hospital. I'm looking, my apologies, I'm looking for so Mass General Hospital, Boston. So this is not a dismissible study. And this shows spikes causing myocarditis. 
We also know autoimmune disease is causing myocarditis. So we cannot ignore right. that myocarditis can occur. Right. Uh, and that, I mean, after after a vaccine. Vaccine, exactly. And that, that's the core point here, guys. Now, what we're showing you on top of all of that is that there, you know, it's, it is a real genuine possibility, not some slim 1%, but a real high level problem. But either way, what we're showing definitively is that this is there. There is a connection. They do cause it. We know that already, but then we can show that myocarditis, even though, again, the, the ridiculous nature of how the COVID-19 illusion is forcing us to somehow redefine and reprove things that have been common knowledge forever, you know, like mass or anything else, but that these things have been there. That myocarditis, myocarditis is a leading high-level cause of young adults having athletic collapse, but apparently it doesn't matter. Because COVID-19 changed everything. But there are still people like this doctor that are coming out and telling you these things. Now, here's the study he's pointing at. Just quickly pointing out, it says a notable finding was that marketedly elevated levels of full-length spike protein, unbound by antibodies, that's what he was talking about, were detected in the plasma of individuals with post-vaccine myocarditis, whereas no free spike was detected in asymptomatic vaccine control subjects. Think about the effort it takes to ignore all of this. <laughs> it's just painful. Now, here's another one. <clears throat> this was a uh, troop nerd points this out. This is John Campbell again, summarizing the peer reviewed autopsy re uh, results of sudden death following COVID vaccination. This one is profound. Now, let's listen to John Campbell first. I don't want you to take my word for this. And this has been edited or, you know, clipped together to make it concise for Twitter. Of course. Not by me, but by cheap nerds. As always, check the sources yourself. It's the research of clinical cardiology, clinical research in cardiology. And it's the official journal of the German Cardiac Society. It's called Autopsy-Based Histopathological Characterization of Myocarditis After Anti-SARS Coronavirus 2 Vaccination. That's the link. You can download the PDF. This is peer-reviewed. This is proper science and definitive pathological diagnosis by groups of leading, a group of leading German pathologists. Basically, these people are doctors who specialize in pathology. So autopsy findings indicate death due to acute arrhythmogenic cardiac failure. So arrhythmogenic, so a, a dysrhythmia or an, an arrhythmia means that the heart is not beating properly. And uh, they've said it's uh, an acute uh, arrhythmogenic. So in other words, it's the arrhythmia that caused the heart failure. So the arrhythmia, the heart is just fluttering and the heart just stops. The blood pressure drops to zero. There's an acute heart failure followed a minute or two later by death. So these foci of, of inflammation where these um, macrophages and uh, lymphocytes were where they weren't supposed to be is almost certainly what caused the fatal uh, arrhythmias and because there was no one there to treat these patients they were simply found dead at home uh, thus myocarditis can be potentially lethal complication following an mrna based anti-sars coronavirus vaccine now this is a direct quote from the peer-reviewed journal of, of the american uh, the german uh, cardiology society simply direct quote of um peer-reviewed literature by a group of six senior German pathologists. And uh, I think I'm allowed to say that because we are allowed to talk about rare recognized events because myocarditis is recognized by the um, WHO and the uh, CDC and the, uh, the UK various authorities as a potential side effect. But here we have 
the histopathology that proves it definitively in quite a high number, five out of 25 deaths. Our findings may aid in adequately diagnosing unclear cases after vaccination. For goodness sake, if people have been vaccinated, let's have a high index of suspicion that this may occur, even if the inflammation was mild and the inflammation was fairly mild in most of these cases, affecting a fairly small area of the myocardium, not enough to affect the contraction of the myocardium on its own, but because they are electrically unstable, they call these ectopic focus. There's a focus of electrical activity where there shouldn't be one and the person basically just drops dead. Let's not minimize it. So in, in a sense, these patients had mild myocarditis. But uh, if you ask them or their relatives, they probably wouldn't think so, because even though it was mild, it was enough to kill them, because by definition, they were all um, uh, post-mortem autopsy findings. Uh, our findings may aid. So yes, have a high index of suspicion for these things, doctors and nurses out there, please. And thus establishing a timely diagnosis in vivo. We want to diagnose in, in life, in vivo, when people are still alive. Monitoring the framework for ad uh, providing a framework for uh, adequate monitoring and early treatment of severe clinical cases and indeed mild clinical cases, because even milder cases, all you need is a, an area of ectopic electrical activity that can cause ventricular fibrillation. And that is what can cause death. So there we go. And this is basically a smoking gun. Let's look at it again. Um, we see the abnormal cells in the myocardium causing the damage. It's unequivocal. It's pathological diagnosis. There again with a different cell type. There again with a different level of magnification showing the pathologically damaged areas of infiltration that can give rise to the ectopic electrical focus, which can give rise to the ventricular fibrillation which causes death um i'm going to leave it there because it's it's um we're talking about people's lives here okay thank you for watching it's pretty important yeah you, know, you know i see like conversations about you know question like guys we, we question everybody don't we you should question me you should question him you should question everybody it's simple when you question everything you don't really need to consider in the context of the information flow, whether they're controlled opposition or whatever else, which very clearly exists. The point, though, is that they're, it's data we're talking about. Not if the, Where it matters is whether or not you're trusting him at his word. If you're taking what he's saying and running with it, then it certainly matters whether he's manipulating you or in the long term using truth to manipulate something and take you in a different direction. These are all possible. But when we're taking one study and one overview, and reaching people, it doesn't really matter, does it? Because it's about the data, about the study we're looking at right now, right? So it does, truth is truth no matter who says it, right? So it's interesting how people will quickly turn something away because they're like, I don't know, that probably is. Well, engage with the information anyway. Like, I feel like that's something we're all, we have to be very, very open about. Whether it's, cor do we, I watch corporate media all the time in order to see what they're, what they're relaying and what's being stated. And not all of it is necessarily all fake all the time. Right. It's, we, we can fall into that trap the same way it can in reverse. So just question everything while being open to everything. This important study, though, is, is it's powerful. And exactly what John Campbell just laid out is exactly what's happening here. It's very important. And I mean, I agree. It, it appears as if he has come along in his process and just was very, very great, you know, almost ob irritatingly objective in the other direction, kind of like I'm doing on this side. Right. And, and just didn't want to see it. 
obviously I think there's plenty of examples of why it was there, but I mean, it's pretty scathing. What are you saying? I mean, this guy is being attacked by that side now. It's interesting, which, you know, again, question everybody, including me. You just never really know, do you? But this is important, what this says. Autopsy-based histopathological characterization of myocarditis after SARS-CoV-2 vaccination. And by the way, it looks like we're down on, on uh, Odyssey, or at least we were for a moment. Or somebody, I guess it wasn't up the entire time. I apologize for that. Uh, I'm going to be uploading it after we're done anyway, so tune in for that. But let's finish this out. Last uh, seven, eight tabs here. This is from November 27th. November 27th. It's amazing how they just ignore this stuff. This, this, this should have been headline news if it was any Honest Corp media out there. Standardized autopsies were performed on 25 persons who had died unexpectedly and within 20 days after injections by COVID, COVID-19 injections. In four patients who received an mRNA injection, we identified acute epimyocarditis without detection of another significant disease or health constellation that may have caused an unexpected death. Right there, that's pretty damn important. Are they? I mean, this is November twenty seventh. Are all these corporate media journalists, so called, and doctors that are telling you there's nothing, no evidence, no proof? Isn't this evidence? It is. It's very clear, in fact, and it's peer reviewed on a leading outlet. Overall, autopsy findings indicated death due to acute arrhythmothermogenic cardiac failure, or thermogenic. Yes, right. Thus, myocarditis can be a potentially lethal complication following mRNA-based anti-SARS-CoV-2 vaccination. I guess they just missed that one, huh? I mean, my God. So this peer-reviewed study is verbatim finding that specifically vaccine-induced myocarditis can absolutely lead to sudden death. Shocking. We shouldn't need the study to point to this because it's all there. The connection, the mechanism, the scientific stuff is all in front of us. It has been from the beginning. We know it can cause myocarditis. Before COVID-19, it was acknowledged myocarditis could cause sudden sudden death. It's just, it's amazing that we have to work through all this over and over. It says, thus, it can be potentially a lethal combination. Our findings may aid in adequately diagnosing unclear cases after vaccination and in establishing a timely diagnosis in vivo, thus providing the framework for adequate monitoring and health treatment of severe clinical cases. Point being is this study should be used in order to go, okay, Damar Hamlin just had, a, had had something like this. Let's discuss the science. No, they all skip over this one. They all ignore this, and they all scream about something that we can barely prove that's completely less statistically possible, commotio cordis, because they don't want to acknowledge this reality. Now, the studies and the, di- the data, is, it, it, like as Dr. Mubin just made clear, is very obvious. As all the doctors we showed you today made clear, is very obvious. The connection is undeniable. All that's happening is the corporate media discussion is just not engaging with it. Most of them don't know because they're not in the business of caring about the facts as much as they may yell otherwise. And some level, they know they're hiding this from you. As Pierre Corey points out, the scope and scale of the humanitarian catastrophe caused by the global COVID vaccine campaign, which one of which includes specifically myocarditis in broad sense, the cardiovascular risk, that's the highest level problem, is even plainer sight now. But are the ears and the eyes of U.S. citizens fully open yet? The CDC releases its VAERS safety analysis for COVID vaccines via FOIA request. You know, because that's how it usually goes when you're being transparent and honest. You have to be forced to release the information, right? That's honest and transparency. Now you can read this for yourself. CDC finally releases this. I'm actually going to skip this in interest. I don't want, I didn't want us to be over two hours today, but there's a great article from the Epoch Times pointing out the CDC finds hundreds of safety signals 
And the main point here, guys, that I'll, I mean, maybe I'll quickly go over this last part of it. The CDC's issued multiple false statements on the data mining and ultimately acknowledged that it did not perform monitoring techniques in regard to theirs until 2022. How many times did we tell you this? How many times did we make it clear that it was impossible for them to have even begun to do the kind of things they said they've done? But it's now being admitted via FOIA request and other documents, they didn't even begin to look at the Bayer's data in full until 2022, more than one year after they were authorized, emergency authorized. Now, the point here is that the information is unbelievably obvious. The adverse events are through the roof, that they're hiding this from everybody, and that they've never even cared to fully look into the data and still pretend like it's unverified, as if that means it's, cons- it's resolved. Now, it says the new results turned more than 500 adverse events larger than myocarditis, showing you that there is plenty of problems that are far more prevalent and far more serious than even myocarditis. Hmm. Now, I'll let you read this for yourself. I mean, we've gone over the side effects and how serious these are. The reality being it's dangerous for everybody across the board. The point of today is more so about showing you the the insulting ignorance of the corporate media and their willingness to not point at what's obviously happening. But to finish with one study and some overlapping information, vaccine hesitancy is growing in the United States. Gee, I wonder why. And it's clearly justified. Conversation around vaccinations has changed dramatically over the last couple of years. A new study shows it's having an impact on parents and how they think about school required vaccinations. Teresa Priolo explains. Thank God. So now they're starting to ask about everything, you know, like they always should have been doing. Why any parent has ever ever blindly injected their kid or allowed them to be injected with something that they just are told is safe. Historically, they've been wrong. Historically, they've lied. And why? You're going, yes, here's my child that just got born. Go ahead. I trust you. I mean, my God, that's just plain ignorance. But now, because of this, they're going, what else have we been lied to about? Thank God. Now, look, I'd even, I'd even I'll go over the top and argue that let's just say it's your belief that by doing this, you're going to hurt more people because less people will be injected. I, that's, I mean, I'll straight up tell you that's not true. I do, the, the evidence is quick, but that's a whole other conversation, new store, new episode. But let's just go ahead and say you think that. I believe strongly that by not by parents making their own choices, even if there's a brief blip in increased risk because of the lack of injections, which we disagree with, overall, it's still the right choice for parents to make their own informed choices, even if overall it increases some level of risk, because that will eventually even out to being more informed, more intelligent, and more accountable. My God, I don't know why that's a dangerous thing. What's behind the shift in thinking? As a physician, particularly pediatric infectious disease physician, uh, who sees children who get sick with vaccine-preventable diseases in the hospital, um, simply because they were exposed to someone else who had, has gotten this disease. Um, we know that vaccines can basically work to protect a population. It's a- Don't you love that hard answer? <laughs> okay. First of all, she apparently has to scoop this into just all vaccination in a general point, despite the fact that they're not the same thing. But what you, what's she saying right there that, that, it has an effect. Why wouldn't she say it'll stop you from getting sick? Because clearly we're beginning to realize that that's not the real thing. There, apparently all of these things reduce your symptoms when we're being told. I mean, it's very interesting how this is being framed. Let's do it again. 
seems like she's struggling to say this in a way and they cut it off real quick and jump to the next person. This is the answer. Simply because they were exposed to someone else who has gotten this disease. Oh, and if we're talking COVID-19 injection, that doesn't apply, seeming as how it doesn't stop transmission. So that doesn't matter. Um, We know that vaccines can basically work to protect a population. So vaccines can work to protect a population. That sure sounds convincing. I'm going to rush out and get these things emergency authorized right now because it can work to protect a population. Well, that's not even the reality based on what we know about this specific one. But it's interesting that that was her answer. That's the person they found to sell you on this. I'm telling you, people, the people that they used to go to are going, I don't want to do this anymore. That's my opinion. It's always been a basic tenet in pediatric care, sticking to the immunization schedule, which includes the annual flu shot. Now that seems to be changing. Parents taking matters and medicine into their own hands. Thank God. Why is that a bad thing? That doesn't mean they have to be, you know, the ones they they should. They should listen to people that have expertise, but always make your own choices. A lot of parents have come to me lately and said, I've always gotten vaccines. I've always trusted you. But now I'm starting to lose trust, I think, in the medical community. It's really unfortunate. But prior to this, I've never had parents question anything. A new sir. I mean, think about framing that as a scary thing. They're asking questions now. I mean, doesn't this expose what's been going on? Yeah. Thank God they're finally going, what's in this thing? Is it dangerous? Do you know? What are the side effects? I mean, and we got to a point to where informed consent was shut up and do what you're told. I mean, this is just scary, but I'm glad people are waking up. A published by the Kaiser Family Foundation showed more than a third of U.S. parents believe vaccinating their children against long eradicated illnesses like measles, mumps, rubella. Or you mean the shot that has all three of them that hasn't been tested alongside each other that all clearly show a verifiable increase in connection with autism, but that's not supposed to be talked about? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I've I've done entire points on this. There is an obvious, undeniable overlap with injections and specifically the adjuvants with autism. And specifically the MMR, specifically with certain categories of people. We've gone over this. Watch the Vax documentary. Uh, um, Del Bigtree was involved. And they've said, they're talking about that like a vaccine? No, that is three different injections that have never been tested alongside each other. Why in the world that makes sense to anybody is beyond me should be an individual choice, not a requirement to attend public school. Yep. That's a noticeable uptick post-pandemic, especially among diseases like polio or measles that are highly contagious and incredibly dangerous. If you put 10 people in a room and one of those people have me- has measles, if they are um, basically just in the room, they don't even really have to cough or sneeze, but it helps if they cough or sneeze in that room. Um, seven to eight of those people out of those 10 will get infected with measles. My God. I mean, just when you get done with this, just take a quick look into the statistics around the transmissibility of exactly what she's talking about. If you're really going to pretend that you can be in a room, first of all, you don't even define the size of the room, but whatever, and say that standing in a room with 10 people, one of them could have the disease, not even be coughing or outwardly giving symptoms. And you're going to tell me that eight people out of 10 will just get sick by being in that room? Come on. That's not even aligning with the actual statistics around, but, you know, whatever. It doesn't matter. It's all fear-mongering today. I frankly think a lot of this is 
absolutely embellished, if not made up. No one knows for sure why this is happening, but one theory might be based on the COVID vaccine and the intense pressure to get the shot during the initial stages of the vaccine rollout. <laughs> you think? <laughs> we think it might be because of the thing we did to these people. It's a lost trust because... It's being shoved down their throat. It's a blanket statement of you need to get this as opposed to, well, you don't have to get this, but I'd recommend it. And here's why we've lost the conversation. We've lost any uh, ability to go back and forth and talk to parents about this. As it's because they were desperate. That's why, because they were for some reason. And I think we know why desperate to make this happen. And so instead of doing what she said and, you know, in a really aggressive, coercive way, but still making it seem like your choice, which is what they tried to do, but failed. They came out and just said, do this or you're going to get in trouble. Do this because you're stupid and don't understand. You're a conspiracy theorist. They went the wrong way. <laughs> they, went, they went all stick and no carrot. And clearly they tried to correct that. But I, it's clear that they were desperate for some obvious reason. And people aren't buying it. Stands all 50 states and D.C. require public school children to be vaccinated against certain diseases. Few exceptions are allowed. Right now, that does include the flu, but not COVID. There's no telling if that could change. Yeah. Teresa Priolo, Fox. No telling if that'll change when we force you to take the COVID shot the next time we want to. Well, there's your just the reality that people in general are pushing back. Now, here, in case you missed it at the beginning, I want to play this clip again. Here is a vaccine expert, high-level vaccine expert, PhD, who used to work with the Bill and Linda Gates Foundation on exactly these topics. I'm begging you, he says, not to vaccinate your children. Begging you. Because... Today, I'm talking to you because it is about your children. And I'm really begging you, I'm begging you to not vaccinate your children against COVID-19. I will explain you that if you vaccinate them, if you vaccinate children, it's going to become thousand times worse. So if you are going to vaccinate your children, you are going to turn this transient situation into something that is permanent, that is going to suppress the innate anti, uh, the innate immune system for a long time, that it is not going to be able to be trained or to be educated to recognize all the viruses it should recognize, but instead can even be pushed to recognize components of its own body that suppress in fact, or that will lead that will lead to autoreactivity and immune pathology. And that is irreversible. Think about this. This is irreversible and very, very serious. So it will lead to a tremendous storm of acute COVID death. There is no doubt about this and very severe immune pathology. I, I swear you, I have 30 years of vaccine expertise. Uh, this is not a joke. And there is no uh, way that parents can simply accept the very cheap publicity and, you know, the mainstream message, get your child vaccinated. It is extremely dangerous. What I'm talking about is much more dangerous even than the side effects that people are discussing. So please bear this in mind. I beg you, I really beg you, don't vaccinate your child because in many cases it will be a death sentence for the child now i i'm i'm with i mean generally speaking when somebody comes out and says trust me 
I'm like, no, thank you. <laughs> that's usually not, that's going to give me the opposite feeling. But nonetheless, I, I agree with the feeling about that. But either way, I find it really hard to believe or hard to place how it can be beneficial to come out and be like bad for everybody everywhere. <laughs> right. Cause that's, that's what he's been saying. Like these are dangerous. Nobody should. And that's kind of what a lot of people have been saying lately, which I agree with. So I, I mean, you, who knows? Maybe we'll find out this was all part of it. You never know. That's why we question everything, but the data is showing this. And the point is he's coming out and going like run screaming from this thing. So it's, it's very telling. And again, he's referencing the point that even Dr. Peter McCullough made clear in a, in a study in April 15, 2022, innate immune suppression. It's exactly what we're talking about. This literally destroys your immune system, impairs innate immunity, increases your risk to other diseases and infections, and it impairs DNA repair. It sustains synthesis of the spike protein ongoing, which is the biggest problem. But as Ozzy17 points out to wrap up, the shift, hard, the, the, S, the S hits the fan, hard evidence, and we've already talked about this, but just to reiterate, he's referencing John Campbell's other video about more vaccines cause more infections. But you already know this because we covered this when it first came out. One dose, 1.7 times more likely to test positive. Just one dose. You, one dose increases your risk. You already knew this because we covered this a long time ago. Not even just the study, but before the study ever came out. Two doses, 2.63 times more likely to test positive. Three doses, 3.1. The point is you increase your risk of illness and infection and disease and problems with every dose you take. Here's the study itself. Specifically on the bivalent, December 19th, 2022. Compared to the last exposure to SARS-CoV-2 within 90 days, last exposure six to nine months previously was associated with twice the risk of COVID-19. Which, by the way, comes along with when you with basically when you take these injections, you increase your risk of getting ill or I, you could you could argue right there that we're not talking about COVID-19, that you're simply talking about whatever this thing is causing your body to, to engage to do. Certainly a fair argument. The point being, nonetheless, that you end up getting to the point to where you're causing more risk for myocarditis because of the injection. And again, that's Gert Vandenbosch is one of the points is that that even if you're causing COVID-19, it's because of the injection and that's what's causing the myocarditis. All of it traces back. It's obvious. 3.5 times the risk. The bivalent COVID-19 vaccine booster they claim was only 30% effective in general. And that's relative risk reduction. It's meaningless, guys. That's not statistically significant. And just to make it more clear, when you can look at the graphs we've already shown you, again, the multivariable analysis found that the more recent the last prior episode, the lower the risk of COVID-19 and the greater the number of vaccine doses previously received, the higher the risk of COVID-19. The more doses you get, the more your risk increases. There's just no denying how broken this is right now, unless you just want to trust the corporate media, aka the science, and move along forward. Jimmy Dore pointing out, this used to be a joke on my show, but now it's been confirmed. And, you know, he's pointing out, you should have right on the show. I said, well, we broke that study down last month when it actually came out. But, you know, let's keep going. But anyway, the point is that there's a lot of this demonstrating our value that we're talking about long before even the mainstream of the independent media conversation is taking place. Because we're on the cutting edge of this stuff, guys. We're seeing these studies largely because of you. Because of you sending me this stuff the day these things come out. We're all part of this, guys. You are the last American vagabond. I couldn't do this without you because most of what we get coming in on the cutting edge is because people like you are out there caring about this and showing at this, showing us what's going on. Last two points breaking England and Wales reports extremely high excess deaths. As of December 23rd, 2022, there were 14,530 deaths and 2,493 excess deaths just in England and Wales. That's over 20% 
above the five-year average. But we're baffled, though. We're baffled, right? We're totally baffled, despite all the stuff we just talked about, despite all the things we talked about the entire time. UK excess deaths off the scale. The vast majority, non-COVID deaths. But, of course, the Sky News, we have no idea. We can't even guess. We have no clue what could possibly be causing this. The, the data from the Office for National Statistics, this gives us a snapshot of the number of people we expect to die in any given period, people because of heart attacks and cancer and everything else, and how many people are actually dying. So these are excess deaths over and beyond what you would imagine for people for that period. So we have 14,530 people who died in England and Wales in the week to 23 December. Now that's the highest amount during any week of last year. And when we compare that to averages from previous years, it means nearly 2,500 more people died than expected. So that's for that one week alone. But over the past... That's how you know it's working. ...six months, the total number of excess deaths is over 30,000 in England. How do they try to pretend that even remotely makes sense? Like even just, not not even just the excess, the 30,000 excess deaths over six months in England and Wales. So if these vaccines are saving everybody and most of them, people have gotten them, well, I mean, their best argument is that the anti-vaxxers ruined everything by not doing what they were supposed to. That's, that's the only thing they can say anymore. What you're looking at is vaccine-induced problems. There have been exactly 8,000 deaths due to covid in that period and if we exclude those from the total it means there's been an extra 22,040 deaths not caused by covid in the past six months alone equivalent to 848 a week we don't know what is 848 excess deaths yet it's too early but certainly according yet it's too early we don't know what's causing them yeah it, it's it's low the volume is low but that's the that's the point guys just it, they are literally still acting like we have no clue we just don't know what's going on right so you're willing to argue that we know in very rare cases that's always where they'll push it this can lead to death this can lead to myocarditis but then when you see excess death in general which is no idea no clue well, clearly you got some clue, seeing as how you said it otherwise in other conversations. But I guess you just can't connect <laughs> what intelligence you have. You can't piece together other stories. You're just, uh, you know, it's just, it's embarrassing. Either they just read what they're told, or these people are well aware that they are obfuscating the reality. Just like we saw with the entire Ham, uh, uh, Damar Hamlin conversation. As all the experts we saw today, come, they, it was not just irresponsible, but straight up dishonest for them to come out and say, we know it's Komoyo courses. We know it's not this. We know it's that. There's no way they could have known that. In fact, that, that undermines everything that used to be the, the normal scientific you know, uh, process. Like he was saying that you, you have to factor everything out first. And then that's the, the point is that they're breaking everything to, to force in the argument that it couldn't be anything but COVID-19 or, you know, at the very least, not the injection. I think it's pretty damn obvious, guys, that we can see beyond a shadow of a doubt proof that this is in part, if not entirely, what is happening. Simple. I mean, the science is there. You can't pretend that these things don't connect. It was there before this all started. And yet here we are shouting you down. Actually, to go back to, the, to, go back to that, <laughs> this. I mean, just, think about what we just talked about. And yet they come out with these articles before anybody could know what actually happened, saying that you were a an evil person, a disgusting, grotesque person for even asking 
or in their case, for claiming that it was. But what happens when it turns out that it was? Which we'll probably never find out because they'll desperately try to keep that from your view. But let's just say it gets some doctor says for sure. What happens then? Were they grotesque for not letting you speak? Oh, yes, always. But they'll never regard that. They'll never engage with that. And this brings to mind the thing we and we talked about the other day, just to end with, which is the nature study, as of the last couple of months, that found very clearly that you are being discriminated against by the people that took injections more so than anything else. More so they're to the level that they argue other minorities regularly are discriminated against. And on the other side of it, they found in their own quote, no, an absence of evidence for the in, for the non-injected to discriminate against the injected. Now, I guarantee it happens in some cases, but the structure, the very mechanisms of the world that are, are built to discriminate against you for making your own choices. More power to you. Think about what a good choice that was. Think about how every moment of every day now is vindicating you for that choice. It's because you thought for yourself. It's because you had, I mean, it doesn't have to be that you're smarter than everybody else. Could be. It just means that you're smart enough to realize that you shouldn't blindly trust government, authority, anybody. Think for yourself. That's what scares them the most. Thank you for being here today. And hopefully you guys will join me tomorrow for the Twitter spaces, January or, yeah, the 7th, 12 p.m. Central Time. Uh, I have the link in the show notes today. I'll post it on, my, uh, on the top of my Twitter feed tomorrow, early in the day, so you guys can check it out. Thank you for being here, guys. Continue fighting, because you're making a difference. I love you all, as always. Question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant. I see all the people led into deception by the very men bound to care, blinded by the promises, unknowingly sold despair. So leave your herd of sheep and follow this shepherd to revolutionary ends. That you knew has changed around you It's all become a money game It's all become a money game It's all become a money game Are you ready for Are you ready for Are you ready for Revolution Now it's happening all around you. If you cannot see, pull aside the curtain and see the war machine. It's time for you to rise up, rise up and prepare. So arm your fellow man, as it's become destructive to its own ends. World that you knew has changed around you. It's all become a money game. It's all become a money game. It's all become a money game.
Are you ready for? Are you ready for? Are you ready for? The revolution. The revolution. The revolution's now. Happening all around you. If you cannot see, pull aside the curtain and see the war machine. It's time for you to rise up, rise up and prepare to arm your fellow man. Cause it's become destructive to its own ends. World that you knew has changed around you. It's all become a money game. It's all become a money game. It's all become a money game. Are you ready for? Are you ready for? Are you ready for the revolution? Revolution The revolution's now It's happening all around you If you cannot see you Pull aside the curtain And see the war machine Time for you to rise up, rise up and prepare to arm your fellow man. They become destructive to their own ends. The world that you knew has changed around you. It's all become a money game. It's all become a money game. It's all become a money game Are they ready for Are they ready for Are they ready for We the people